Alright. Final, final go. I'm gonna use this instead because that kept skipping all the way through the lyrics. Alright. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, Gwen Patro and Huey Lewis present Cruising. <laughs> Baby, let's cruise away from here. Don't be confused. The way is clear. And if you want it, you got it forever.
so weird recording, um, like, at night. And, like, in person. It's really weird. I know, when I got here, I was like, I was like, fuck, man, it took me so much longer than I was expecting to get here. Like, we're not gonna have time to do anything. Like, it's fucking, like, 10 o'clock and shit. Like, I'm just, like, from having not really had a summer due to COVID... It then getting dark so early, like, has just fucked with my brain. Like, I see darkness, and I'm like, it's 10 o'clock at night. Like, I thought that I got here, and it was, like, 8.30, but it was, like, 5.45 or something. It's not. It's fucking prime time, baby. Yeah. This is when the pros go to work. Yeah. All right, well, welcome to the Movie Blues Podcast. I just love it when we're cruising together. Yeah, and I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, I don't even know where to begin on this one. This is, uh, we have unearthed a gem here, people. This one is all props and praise to Dan Endon for fun. Usually, like, things like this are things I've held on to for years that, like, (laughs) things like Disclosure, um, that, you know, this season especially, we've been ramping up on episodes about the most wrong-headed movies imaginable. I think it gives us that, um split from like how did this get made where they are doing bad movies yeah where i think i want to just like do misguided movies. we're doing like deeply misguided like ego failures um this movie i did not expect to be as fucking unbelievable as it was um i'm still kind of in just general disbelief about the entire thing um I was absolutely thrilled when I sent you the screenshot of it and you were like, I don't know shit about this movie. And I was like, fantastic. Okay, so the movie we're talking about, Duets, um, uh, I had seen a trailer to and like any self-respecting kid from the 90s, I had heard um, the Huey Lewis and Gwyneth Paltrow cruising cover. And that I think they even m- maybe serialized that into a music video. And then ran it on VH1 yeah, yeah. for five weeks. That was weeks. fucking all over the place. That was like a hit single. Um, so I would say the the song was substantially bigger than the movie was. I would hope so. Um, Especially given that I came, it occurred to me to do this movie because this song was playing in a bar next to my house and people <laughs> were just belting it. And like this was already a famous song, mm. but you never hear the Smokey Robinson version on the radio. It's always the fucking Gwyneth. The Gwyneth joint. The Gwyneth joint. Um, and, um, yeah, I think um, what makes this movie so special for me is that um, it, it, for all intents and purposes, it could have been a movie about karaoke. Um. Yeah, and for all <laughs> intents and purposes, that's what I always thought it was based sure. on literally all of the marketing for it. Uh, turns out <laughs> it is not. No. Karaoke is like a hot 12 or 13 minutes maximum of a two-hour movie. But but it... it is an important anchor. Yes. For and, and everyone's growth. I, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like we could agree that it is the the best actual element <laughs> in the movie is the karaoke stuff and the scenes of karaoke. Like, if you look at it like, um, if we were watching this like a normal audience and this was the movie we went out to see on a Saturday night, right. we would say, well, the karaoke was enjoyable, but like all the murder and, <laughs> and, and prostitution and stuff like that, that could have, I could have definitely done without. Well, um, the, the only note that I wrote was imagine 
it's the year 2000 and you're a middle-aged mother and see the commercials for this movie and right. go to see it in the theater and this is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> or like you see the music uh, video to cruising with, it's like, you know, it's a heartwarming scene. It's like sure. Gwyneth and Huey. Yeah. Um, you prior know to, prior from... to watching it, I didn't know that they were supposed to be father and daughter. Prior um, to that, you also didn't know that they were supposed to have a deep sexual attraction to one another in right. the film. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I thought that I was about to watch a rom-com. Mm-hmm. And it was I'll agree with you there. I also thought I was in for a rom-com. <laughs> um, if you go out and watch the trailer to this movie, um, all of the marketing seems to suggest that we're looking at, like, something about as innocuous as a Friends episode, maybe. Right. This um, is something that reeks of something that, like, the final picture got turned in and the studio was like, we are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we need to get butts in the seats. They can hate it. That's fine. Well, the studio was probably like... Um, while they were making the movie, they're like, uh, we don't know if people are interested in karaoke. And they watched a cut of it and they're like, you need to lean harder into the karaoke. <laughs> because what you presented, yeah. uh, framing the karaoke scenes is nothing less than chilling. Um, <laughs> there are, dude, there are plot arcs in this movie that you could not see coming under any circumstance. I mean, it yeah. is just wild, the depths. If you would have told me that Huey Lewis and Gwyneth Paltrow's um, arc was basically the B-plot, I would right. have been shocked. And was a low-rent remake of Lolita? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With a father-daughter? Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I don't even know um, what the best way is to describe how disturbing this movie is, but <laughs> we do have to set up what this movie is. Everyone um, should start by going, like, look up, like, the VHS cover, look sure. up the poster, yeah. like, look at a commercial, and then get into your head what you think this movie is. Yeah, like, it looks like, like, um, like a crazy night in New York where everyone's <laughs> doing karaoke, yeah. and, and people fall in love, and, and maybe this is a movie where, uh, the people who made it want to make karaoke a little more popular, so... Yeah, and it's, like, about family, like... <laughs> yeah, it's, it is about family, like, <laughs> and, and, and you could see that trailer and be like, oh, I'm gonna take my teenage daughter yeah. to this. She would end up seeing Maria Bello sucking a to get her car painted. Um, so, yeah, this is like, this is a troubling one. Um, I don't know, like, how to even rank these things anymore. I'm starting to think that the more we do movies like this, like, our, the Golden Gun rating system is just disintegrating. I know. I was starting to think that, like, we need to reserve the Golden Gun rating for, for, film, for films. <laughs> yeah. And have some sort of different. Yeah. Like, depending on, like, what ballpark of shit pile we're looking at, have some, like, it might be time to retire. We can retire Golden Guns, and then they can come back for, like, a reunion tour. Or like when we review a movie. <laughs> when's, the, when's the last time that happened? Um, so, yeah, this movie is um, above scrutiny. It's deeply disturbing. Um, I was elated and titillated by this film in ways that many other films don't connect with me. Dan made a point today in the movie Blues Rental Zone, the home for all zone heads, that... Um, uh, Midsommar was less entertaining than this. I fully agree with that. Yeah, I was... But as are most things that I watch. <laughs> Dude, um, there is no world where I thought duets was going to be... Yeah, sure, this fucked up. But I was fucking in it. I was in. I was in. Like, I, was... I, I closed my work laptop and rewound multiple times because I was like, wait, how did we get here in this scene? I've never paused. Like I, I said to Dan earlier, this is... Not only one of the few movies we've ever covered on this podcast that I've immediately turned around to rewatch, <laughs> not for further investigation, but just like, just it, the feeling that it gave me was so righteous that I just needed it again. Um, but also, um, it really is like, 
I, I didn't see this as being the crescendo of the season. I thought we like had a decent one here and like it was going to be funny, but like there were times when I was watching this movie where I was like, this is like the culmination of like the entire podcast. Yeah. Like this is as f***ing wrong as you can possibly get. Yeah, I, and I like, I really didn't think it was going to be that when I presented it. It was literally, I walked into the local bar, uh, a cruising was playing, a bunch of drunk idiots were belting it. And I remembered, I was like, isn't this Gwyneth Paltrow singing? Like, why, why did that happen? So then I literally Googled Gwyneth Paltrow karaoke movie. I saw the cover for duets, and I was like, starring Huey Lewis. Like, there's no way Huey Lewis can act. And all I did was I sent the screenshot to Dan. I didn't say anything. And cut to 24 hours later, Dan's like... I was, like, sending you, like, 400 texts. He's like, he's like oh, we're watching this movie. And I was like, really? All I right. watched a trailer to it, right? <laughs> and the trailer, like, like we said, it didn't reveal how absurd this movie was going to be. What it did reveal was that... It was a film that was going to take karaoke extremely seriously yeah, right. and try to push it into the forefront of culture. As we all know, karaoke is not art. It's, it's not even music. <laughs> this was karaoke's answer to the Fast and the Furious franchise. Is, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, really, like, you know, I've seen movies made out of things to popularize them, be it volleyball or you know, things from the 80s <laughs> or like, like uh, airplanes cars like fun wh- little wh- whip it the fucking roller derby, derby movie the amount of like bottom of the barrel searching <laughs> one would have to do to want to make a movie about karaoke and then beyond that and then it, it really it does it it's totally inconsequential to the plot like yeah it just acts as a means for all the three different main plot threads to intertwine with each other but it could right. be anything like the karaoke is really a MacGuffin <laughs> Um, <laughs> the karaoke is a MacGuffin. Like, it could be a skate trick competition. <laughs> Easily. It, it was the year 2000. It, it could have been yeah, it could have been literally anything. It could have been just playing music. Yeah, right. Like, real it's musicians. It's Huey Lewis. Yeah. He, he plays an instrument. I don't need to reaffirm this before I begin this movie review, but I feel like I, I, I'm edging on something. I, I just need to say it. I was edging throughout this whole film. Um, karaoke, I know I said it's not an art, but beyond that, if you ever have taken it even an iota seriously in your life. If you've ever been like, the big day <laughs> is tomorrow about karaoke, you can go get fucked. Because <laughs> but but is, also watch this movie tomorrow. Dude, it's stupid. It's really dumb. It's like a party, it's taking a party trick into a profession and it makes no sense to me. So the trailer showed that and I was like, oh, this should be a, a plentiful gift. And, <laughs> and in watching it, none of the stuff about karaoke being serious was nearly as absurd as the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, so to get into this movie, um, we need to set up its framework. It is a story about roughly three to five people who are all separate via crash style. Um, <laughs> but instead of a harrowing... But somehow it's darker. It's Honestly, honestly, this movie is darker than Crash. The crescendo of this film is arguably darker than the crash of the titled Crash. <laughs> um, but uh, we're looking at a bunch of uh, disparate stories. Oh, I just wanted to tell you too, another thing that really set me off wrong when this movie began was just when you saw the studio logo, right? For some reason, I saw Gwyneth Paltrow in the trailer. I'm like, oh, 90s movie about, like, kind of sub-alt culture. This is surely a Miramax movie. Yeah, right. And there was no Miramax logo in the beginning, and I was like, this is bad. (laughs) If Miramax didn't make this movie, then there's (laughs) no hope. There's absolutely no hope. Um, And yet still, somehow, it involved an inappropriate sexual relationship at every opportunity. (laughs) um, (laughs) Yeah, this movie was pervier than anything Harvey Weinstein outwardly did, um, at least in front of the camera. This feels like Miramax made it, and then Harvey Weinstein was like, I can't have my name on this. No, this feels like, 
Harvey Weinstein wrote this under a surname. <laughs> yeah, like right. Like a pen name. Like it's under like Alan Smitty. Yeah. Alan Smithstein. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> what an oxymoronic last name for a Jew to have, Smithstein. <laughs> um, okay, so um, uh, smash open to the Tri-State Karaoke Playoffs. Um, <laughs> now, I want everyone to keep in mind that every scene of karaoke in this movie, even the playoffs, even the finals, has an audience of less than 50 people. <laughs> right. And of that audience, what would you say, Dan, maybe 20 of them are performing. At least. So we're talking about an entire two-hour film hinged and predicated <laughs> on events that 20 people are witnessing. Hinged on the idea that one can make a living entirely off of karaoke competitions. <sighs> First we meet Huey Lewis. Um, and Huey Lewis, I have a few questions. I, I have a lot of questions about Huey Lewis. So let's start with the fact that most of the sections of this movie, there are three separate stories. One of them is the plot of American Beauty with karaoke. One of them, which is the Huey Lewis plot, is Lolita, but with karaoke, and the dad and daughter. Yeah. Um, and the other, I can't really ascribe to a particular movie, but we'll get into that. Yeah. It's pretty memorable and absurd on its own. Yeah, it was like, uh, it was like, what's um, the Queen Latifah, Jimmy Fallon taxi cab movie? I believe that movie is Taxi. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's that, but with yes. karaoke. Yes, the title is Taxi. Um... <laughs> Yes, it is. Yeah, you know what? It is taxi. <laughs> Except with, uh, instead of Queen Latifah, it's a priest <laughs> and a prostitute. <laughs> uh, should we do taxi? <laughs> Smash cut to the Tri-State Karaoke Playoffs where Huey Lewis walks in and uh, is just being very strange. He's, <laughs> he's pretending... Right? Yeah. As if and 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 this isn't like he's pretending to his friends, he's pretending he's pretending directly to the audience yeah. or the people this, in this bar. This is like this is like your like your, this is like the rounders but with karaoke moment. Sure. Where he's he's really slow rolling everything. He comes in to a karaoke competition and um, the long and short of it is like he pretends as if he's not good at karaoke. <laughs> this is like the scene where like someone Someone in a movie walks into a pool hall. Exactly. And they they levy a bunch of money against him, and they go, oh, well, I don't know, I'm not very good at this, and then turn out to be amazing, yeah. both karaoke. Yeah, predicated on the idea that he's, the, these karaoke competitions are so full of people that are so confident in their karaoke abilities that he's willing to show up to them, travel well out of his way to get to them numerous distances, sit at bars looking kind of awkward knowing that someone will come up to him right. to bully him about his lack of karaoke skills and bet him a ton of money on it. Dan, is that his job? Yeah. Because it, three, okay, he, so he, throughout he, the film they allude him having a job that quote, no one would understand. He says later to Gwyneth Paltrow when he's trying to, when she's trying to come with him and she's like, I want to see you sing and he's like, no, like it's my job. Like this is my job. Like he was like, you wouldn't understand, but like she's sung multiple times. Yeah, right. At that point. Yeah. Anyway, um, here are where the he's things... like, I, I was a famous musician in the eighties. This is my job. <laughs> no, Huey Lewis is not playing himself in this movie. Um, other than the fact that he can't act, so he is technically playing himself. And um, he walks into this bar, and they do this whole scene um, where he bets a guy all this money that. Um, He's actually well. Hold on, hold on. He even slow rolls the guy on the bet. Like he's acting like he's purposely like a little disheveled. Like his his top buttons unbuttoned. Like he looks right. like he's a little bit of a drunk and kind of broke. And like he's at he orders like a really cheap drink, 
and then this guy is talking shit, and he's like, eh, karaoke's stupid. Like, he starts bullying this guy. And Huey Lewis goes, karaoke? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the guy goes, karaoke? He's like, no, it's karaoke. He goes, karaoke. It's a way of life. <laughs> he does say that. <laughs> That's and where then, we're at in, like, the first five And then he's like, movie. I'll bet you on it. And, and, you know, Huey Lewis is like, ah, I don't have much money. And the guy's like, he's like, whatever you got in your wallet, like... Right. And Huey Lewis just pulls out a fucking stack, dude, and he just looks in the guy, he's like licking his thumb, and he's like, 50, 50, he's like, I got $690 on my person. Yeah. Um, but this opens up like a Pandora's box of things that don't make sense. Let me go into some of them that rub me the wrong way. So like... Huey Lewis is a karaoke singer, confirmed. That is his career. He goes from one bar to another doing karaoke, fooling people into paying him money. Now, he fools the guy at the bar into making a tremendous bet with him over a tremendous amount of money that he's not going to kill it in karaoke. Right. Fine. I'm fine with all of that. Then, Huey Lewis goes to this cute chick that is, like, running um, is maybe a bar back or something yeah, like that. yeah. The conversation that he has with her, he is still... Now, again, the guy that he bet is totally gone. Right. But he is still alluding to this girl as if he does not know anything about karaoke. And it doesn't make much sense. Yeah. Because ultimately, like... The, the jig is already up. He's good to go. He's going to go on stage soon. So when no, she he, says to him... He's trying to have the element of surprise so that she's, like, completely smitten by him on stage. But would you not be smitten by him just watching him do his yeah, thing? He I mean, has to fool women on top of If you're the type of girl of who, it. like, goes out of your way to watch a karaoke competition, probably. But he's, you know... So Huey is, like... It, it's about the thrill of the hunt, Dan. <laughs> Huey's, like, um... Trying to figure out, like... Oh, he's like, what's this karaoke thing you guys are talking yeah. about? And the girl's like... <laughs> Oh, like you wouldn't want to know, and he's like, you know, like tell me the deal, blah blah blah. <laughs> he's and kind like, of playing it like Mila Kunis and yeah. <laughs> The girl looks at like an, another person who works at the bar, who then whispers to her, like leans over and goes, "Show him the menu." Yeah, <laughs> as if a, a karaoke bar in the middle of fucking nowhere—it's a secret. Like, yeah. like oh, show. At him that the moment, menu. I was like, "Is karaoke slang for drugs? Like, is this like well, a drug?" Front? As we will find in many moments in this movie, they refer to people who get into karaoke. Karaoke is K heads. Yeah. Um, yeah. People who are into K. Yeah. Um, <laughs> professionally, they go from bar to bar looking for K. Yeah. Looking to score money on K. Looking to fool people into yeah. showing them how looking good to, they are to, at K. Looking to beat people for K. <laughs> <laughs> so as Huey Lewis is preparing to beat people for K, um, <laughs> I felt excited. I said, <laughs> I thought to myself, like, I can't wait to see Huey Lewis rip shit. Yeah. And rip shit and he, he did. does. Yeah, he's, I mean, what can you say about Huey Lewis? He's well, the best. He is and a, what, like, what is he saying in that first scene? Because the editing to the next scene is magnificent. <laughs> okay, so, I don't remember what he was singing in that scene, um, but as he is singing it. Yeah, it's like hard. a repeating chorus. And when I say smash cut, I mean <laughs> smash cut. Yeah. To the girl who gave him the secret menu riding his brains out <laughs> yeah. later that night, singing the song back to him yeah. that he was singing at the bar. Yeah. Um, this shows us a couple things about the karaoke world that I'd like to discuss with you. Wait, did you clarify that the menu in question was not drugs? What it was was no, a list of songs? Yeah, that that's what a karaoke menu is. Okay. When you go to a karaoke bar, oh, Dan doesn't know this. I never, you go to a karaoke bar, karaoke I didn't know bar they you offer show you the menu. I didn't know they offer you a menu. I thought you go to a digital screen and just pick something. It's like at your bar mitzvah. It's just like, show me the menu. Um, <laughs> and then he's like, I got down with the sickness and I got the electric slide. 
Um, was that not your bar mitzvah experience? Hugh, no, I was getting drunk in a coat closet. Um, <laughs> Huey Lewis, um, <laughs> Huey Lewis fucking kills it. He, he fucks this girl's brains out to this Joe Cocker song. Um, oh, right. It was <laughs> Um And, um, and uh, in this first karaoke scene, I just want to bring up how funny it is to me, right? Like, okay, so I'm like, uh, you know, and a an very amateur musician. And like, I have played with some of my earlier bands have played gigs wherein no one is dancing at first. Everyone yeah, yeah. is sitting down. And like the progression that it takes to get a audience to go from zero to 60 is a lot. Yeah. Like you really gotta involve it's people. It's more than and, one verse of a Joe Cocker right. song. This movie <laughs> shows a world in which these events, which are full of diehard karaoke people, <laughs> Have this like amazing progression. Like the singer always comes on. Everybody's like trying to act cool, and then they hear that sweet buttery Huey voice, yeah. and then the, you'll see some moms start clapping, and then you'll see people start getting up and shaking it, yeah. and then people are by the end of the song howling, yeah. like yeah. Like, ha like going fucking yeah. insane. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the little Italy weed scene. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> but it's basically a situation in which all these people are such karaoke hipsters that they basically go and stand with their arms crossed expecting everyone to be terrible. And anyone who's good, they go, they're like, I'm fucking ready. This is what I'm waiting rip. for. Um, and it's funny to watch <laughs> for so many different reasons. Um, chief amongst them, it's just like generally embarrassing. Just the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, like, yeah, like you said, like everyone is already there to see karaoke. Right. So like... The, the fact that these singers have to constantly win their audience over, it's like... Eh. And it's like, these people who all compete are so fucking good, like, why don't they just front bands? Like and that is the crux of the entire movie for me. <laughs> is that we're introduced to a bevy of characters who want to professionally do karaoke. Right. And the thing is, Huey Lewis... And they're all exceptionally talented singers. Huey Lewis has played rock arenas in front of, like, 45,000 people on one night. The man has the voice of a god. There's no <laughs> world in which yeah. Huey Lewis would be like a shit karaoke singer. Yeah, like, right. um, I just want to, yeah, D Dan uh, brought this up, and, and this is very important for our audience of maybe non-music people to understand that when you get good enough at karaoke, you simply stop doing karaoke. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Um, you I, go join a wedding band. They said at one point about the first guy they showed doing karaoke in the cowboy costume, they said... Um, we got to keep bringing him in. He's bringing in all this money, blah, blah, blah. Right. And it's like, dude, like, why aren't you? Yeah. Like, okay, I mean, we if you're a person that goes up at an establishment and sings other people's music, that's just called a cover band. Yeah. But Be a, join a wedding band. This movie, like, characterizes We get to a point it. where there's a dude with a manager. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it's at this point that we meet our next character. This is, like, my favorite arc in the whole movie. Um, this is, like, I would say one of the most bananas arcs ever, <laughs> ever put into a movie. <laughs> ever, right? Yeah. I mean, how do you get weirder than Paul Giamatti's arc in this movie? Yeah, and, like, to for it to be that and say, like, Paul Giamatti is a man with many strange arcs in numerous projects. To put this in the top level oh, of it's the top. strange Paul Giamatti arc. It's the tip top. <laughs> Uh, it was like it had like notes of sideways. It had like notes of like some of his like middle it has age notes freak out. of like billions, like yeah. And then it goes like <laughs> it goes. And it has like, notes of that, that, that Frankie Muniz Amanda Bynes movie where he's sure. like that's like a Dennis the Menace thing. Whatever, big fat that's liar. That's actually one of his absolute best performances. <laughs> he is truly unhinged in that one. Yeah. Um, this this fucking um, plot line. Starts at a place that we can all relate to with Paul Giamatti 
handing out information at a meeting that he is running <laughs> at a corporate retreat of some kind. Now he's getting the, the room psyched up. All yeah, these businessmen are standing out there. Drinks. He's handing out drinks. He's whining and dining. These yeah, guys. He's, he's really getting ready. He's, he's schmoozing. He's getting ready to present something pretty major. He's, he's getting ready to pitch. Um, uh, as he is setting this room up and and going around um, giving people drinks and such, they're looking at him as if he's lost his mind. Um, <laughs> and uh, while la the latter parts of the film confirm that maybe he had already completely lost his mind, it is revealed that he is not only... First, he notices that he is not at the correct conference. They're like, um, this isn't like supposed to be the presentation that you're giving right now. Like, yeah, what the, are you one, doing? the one guy goes, that all sounds great, but we have no idea what you're talking about. And that's one thing. And, and never mind, what he's presenting is the, the, the prospect of destroying an environmental ecosystem to put up a nautical-themed theme park. Yes, as he reaffirms several times throughout the movie to his wife, to his friend. <laughs> to every stranger he comes across. Um, Paul Giamatti's breaking moment of sanity to, to rouse him from his white-collar world is that he was forced to eradicate a species of turtle to install a water slide. <laughs> and that seems to have really unhinged the man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's revealed that he is so... Um, like lost in the corporate shuffle that he's giving the wrong meaning to the wrong um, group of businessmen. Then they go one step further. <laughs> By one step, I mean a gigantic rocket launch further into suggesting that he does not even know what state he's in. Yeah. That he flew to Florida instead of what was it, California? He was, he was supposed to be in Austin, Texas, right. and he was in fact in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> so in a world in which a grown man can like fully check into a hotel, arrive in a completely yeah. different city, not notice any of this. I mean... Granted, this is pre-9-11, but I'm still pretty sure when you're waiting for your flight, they're declaring what city you're going to numerous times before you get onto the plane. Um, so we're given, we are given that as the introduction um, to Paul Giamatti. Um, but before you can get your feet kind of planted in this movie, we head to another story. Because again, there's three separate tales of karaoke woe going on in this movie. Um, we're introduced to Scott Speedman's character. Um, he is playing a character that was originally supposed to be Brad Pitt, um, but I, I believe Brad Pitt uh, had broken up with Gwyneth, so he backed out of the movie. And by that, I mean, he probably read the script. I was going to say, you mean as a fucking good manager? Um, <laughs> yes. Um, he broke exactly up with I mean. Gwyneth, his manager read the script. He was like, do you want to be in a movie in which your ex fucks her dad? <laughs> Directed by directed her dad. By her dad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess we shouldn't we shouldn't go too much further without explaining what we're talking about here. So this movie was uh, produced and kind of created um, by Bruce Paltrow, um, another all star of the MBCEU, um, another seemingly pederast that's fallen <laughs> into our laps uh, while reviewing movies. Um, I just want everybody to be 100% clear. Like, you can end the episode after this because you just need to understand that this movie was made begrudgingly by a studio because Bruce Paltrow, a very famous movie producer, spent years trying to get this movie off the ground. And his magnum opus, everybody, it's a movie in which he cast his daughter to be in a plot line where she wants to fuck her dad. Her dad made a movie about her daughter... <laughs> His daughter fucking him, the dad, who had Huey Lewis play him. Yeah, and she took that role. And she gladly took it. And now y'all buy vagina candles from her. And Brad Pitt saw all this and was like, 
bye. Yeah. <laughs> Hard pass. <laughs> um, mega fucking smash to Scott Speedman um, driving a cab, right? Now... Uh, it, I mean, I guess it's a cab. It's a <laughs> it's a hallmark of like movies that are really bad on this podcast, where like no scene is safe from insanity. Um, <laughs> this one, I was like, okay, like what are we gonna get at here? We just got like a cab driver. Anyway, old lady gets in the cab, um, and she is like, uh, he, pick, he picks her up from jail. Right, he picks her up from jail. Sorry, I didn't mention that. Um, picks and this woman is what like seventy eight years old. Picks her up from jail. Um, she gets. <laughs> I forgot all about this. <laughs> she gets out. He goes. This what? was this was the moment where I became sold on the movie. <laughs> right, for sure. Me too. I was like, the energy going on in this movie is fucking amazing. Like, was, what are we doing? I was like, how is there so much sexual tension between this guy and this geriatric? <laughs> um, the old lady uh, starts like vaguely hitting on him, but also says to him, um, you know, don't you want to know what I did? And he was like. <laughs> He was like, "Yeah, I guess so. What you know? What were you in there for?" And she was like, "Oh, I had um, I was in the grocery store and I had a pound of turkey down the front of my pants." And what did she yeah, say? I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> but then, then she's making. She's like, "She's like the fucking society we live in. Can you imagine theft detectors in a grocery store?" And I was like, "I agree with that." I was like, "They're they're making some they're making some points here." So. And then they and then they quickly, <laughs> they quickly moved on yeah. from that. They quickly this kind of felt like a Jim Jarmusch picture. This scene. It is no this like some of the scenes in this movie could have been in like other ironically funny like dark yeah. dark comedies. This was not that. Um, uh, so she was like, "Yeah, I stuffed a bunch of turkey down in my pussy, and I got arrested for shoplifting." And he's like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" And he looks at her in the rearview mirror and he goes. Like Mrs. Errington, and it's yeah, like right. his, his, it's his third grade teacher. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so like yes, I understand we're trying to make a scene um, from a writing perspective that is comedic that shows that she is going to judge him for driving a cab. That shows that um, this, his central arc will basically be that he's being called an underachiever by everyone. But screenwriter, if you will please zoom out because you've written a scene in which a man randomly driving a cab picks up his third grade teacher from smuggling meat in her crotch from a grocery yeah, store. Yeah, and... But that's not the funny part. Right. Like, that's not... That's the problem with movies like this. <laughs> they put you in these situations just like Jupiter Sending where it's like the bees and the blah, blah, blah. It's like they put you in these situations and how do you expect us not to think this is stupid? Right. Like, how do you write this up and well, you're like, okay, this is how I'm going to do it and it just doesn't... It, it's a, but this movie also was just full of scenes that just every single one went like one to two beats too far. <laughs> so like you know, absolutely. The purpose of this scene is to establish yeah, fine, he's an overachiever to the point where he's degree where he's even being judged by a woman who just got let out of jail. He's, a, he's an underachiever. Like, underachiever, yeah. So this is established, <laughs> and then he continues driving, and it's got this real like early '90s gritty indie picture flick where it's just like a dash cam shot. Um, you know, he's driving the cab, driving the cab, she's looking at him, she's looking, like, squinting a little bit, I'm like, what's this woman about to say? And then, she, like, because first it's implied, like, she stole from the grocery store, she wants food, like, and then she's, at one point, she's just like, sometimes I just steal for the fucking thrill of it. This is, yeah, dude, uh, honestly, and I said this to Dan earlier today, which is like, this movie starts every single scene with like character character conversation and the characters are already weird the situation about karaoke is already weird it doesn't need to be any fucking more uncomfortable and by the end by the 50% mark of every single scene in this movie it just begins to sour and it's almost like they couldn't just I, Dan, there's not one scene in they this movie that let, didn't go they wrong. They can't let well enough be they at cannot. any point. It there's cannot no be a movie about for, humans for, just doing karaoke. For the, for the woman to be like, sometimes I just steal for the f***ing 
fucking it was relevant. so dark. It's cursing really. And like oh really wait, and then it got even darker because then he stops the cab to drop her off, and he's like, "Here, I'm so sorry. Like, take this money." And she's like, "Bitch, I don't need your money." Yeah. She's like, "I'm stacked up. That, I just love stealing." Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, "But she's like, I just fucking love theft." Like, <laughs> I, I, I was just so like, I was what, like, is it, I was "What like, are we doing now?" So I was like, "Is this about to become like a Soderbergh crash where like it's all about the thrill of like crime?" Like. And, and the thrill of crime it did become about, but not for this character. Not for this character at um, all. So yeah, we're introduced to Scott Speedman as this kind of pathetic ex-priest cab driver who picks up his third grade teacher who got busted for smuggling meat in her crotch, who tells him that he's an underachiever, and that is the crux of his story for the rest of the movie. Now we head back to Paul Giamatti. <laughs> Paul Giamatti's next scene is where I became erect deeply. I went from six to thirteen. That that dude who sent us a message on Facebook is pissed starting now. Yeah, f- that guy. A guy sent us a Facebook on message uh, a message on Facebook, <laughs> which um, I was so excited about. Someone me too. Sent us fucking, like, he was like, "Oh, I listened to your Kubrick episode." I was like, "Dope, man! Thank you so much." And he was like, "You guys say fuck a lot." He was like, "I lost count of the amount of times you guys say fuck. It's embarrassing." And I was like, "Dude, why are you doing this to me?" I was like, "You're really gonna reach out to an amateur podcaster and and berate them for cursing?" And I didn't see I didn't see any of dad text me. He's like, "Do you see this fucking shit?" And I'm like, "I'm like what?" He's like. Messages and I go in and I'm like, oh wow! And this guy's like, yeah, I saw like your ad. Like, I'm a huge movie fan. I'm a podcast host myself. Um, thought I'd check it out. I'm like, this is great. What's Dan upset about? What's that? And he's just like, I-, I could do without all the cursing. <laughs> I could, I could just, I could hear your voice trying so hard to be political. I'm like trying to be bureaucratic <laughs> with this guy. I'm like, I'm like, do you? Well, you know, it's an explicit podcast. It says it on iTunes, Spotify. He's like, yeah, but like, you guys go far. Yeah, and I was like, do you listen he's to talking about the tamest episode? Listen to the most noxious episode that we have. Like, it is literally has not a single tooth in the entire thing. You yeah. listen to it and you're that offended. And I was like, don't go to cuties. I was like, hit the goddamn brakes now, bro. Yeah. I was like, what are you gonna do when you scroll through our episode list? And you see every other word is has Jew in it. What do you? Where do you think this is headed to? A f-ing peaceful discussion? Directed him right to the yoga. No, this, uh, he should know if he's listening right now. This podcast built on spite. And that uses vitriol as a weapon. <laughs> so, f*** off, buddy. This saw an ad for the Movie Blues podcast. Every <laughs> image is like me and Dan's face superimposed on, like, f***ing women shooting yeah. each other and shit. Yeah, one of our covers is me superimposed <laughs> on a nine-year-old girl twerking. That's where we're at. And he's, he took the time to type out a message. <laughs> They'd be like, I liked it, but... <laughs> could you guys curse less? I wanted to be like, if I curse less, can I still say, like, retard? Is that a curse? Uh, um, so, and, and the best part is that he said he's going to keep listening to see if, <laughs> to see if we take yeah. his advice. See what happens on this episode, bro. You can go get fucked, retard. Um, smash, mega, mega smash cut Dan to Paul Giamatti. <laughs> Dan and Shambles. Um... <clears throat> Paul Giamatti's next scene is a piece of living art. It is basically like the first third of American Beauty, but in one minute. Um, he, <laughs> he walks into his house. Now, Paul Giamatti, again, uh, realized that he is trapped in this corporate suck that he cannot get out of. He doesn't know what state he's in. He's also, he has, at this point, is the first time that he's upset about his frequent flyer mile situation. Yes, he has 800,000 
frequent flyer miles um, and is not allowed to use them anywhere. Yeah. And like, I don't want anybody to take this as like, this is actually kind of a funny part of the movie. Like, I know it sounds funny, yeah. but it's very upsetting. Um, <laughs> but it's the only like consistent running gag throughout the entire thing. Yes, and it does have a good payoff, actually. Um, but um, Paul Giamatti walks into his house. He walks by his daughter. He's like, Dad, fuck yourself. He goes to say hi to his son. His son is like playing video games. No one will speak to him. He sees his wife who will not look up from her keyboard. God knows how long he has been gone for but she won't even give him the time of day. So he finally looks around the situation. He can't take it anymore. He screams at the top of his lungs, I'm going out for a pack of cigarettes! <laughs> well, for, hold on. First, we really get some character development here. because well, This is the first time he talks about the turtles. He's walking around his living room being like, man, I just, I, I just sure wish someone would say hello to me in my own house. And his wife's just, like, typing, typing. He's, like, looking at, like, VHS tapes. He's like, wouldn't it be nice if someone just said hello to me in my own house? Dan, and her response is... And by the way, he's not saying anything beyond that. He just goes, it would be nice if someone said hello to me yeah. in my own house. Yeah. And she looks up from her computer and she goes, what, like, everyone has to stop what they're doing for you? <laughs> like, dude, who the f Fuck would no person, even like people who are in contentious relationships. If you're gone on some business like week or whatever, and you come back, you're like your partner is going to look at you. Yeah. Like this girl, not a single member of his family <laughs> yeah. even looks at him. So even, he, even he, the dog isn't waving, wagging its tail. He screams at the top of his lungs. I'm going out for a pack of cigarettes. And nary did I realize that he was dead serious. <laughs> yeah. That was the last he would speak to his family or children. <laughs> that he was literally going out for a pack and never fucking coming back. But even then, that that is a great filmmaking moment. Like yeah. that's like a you know a real play on like oh dad left for cigarettes he never came back and he says that but they couldn't just fucking let that lie. They fucking just hold the camera on the wife who like eventually like five seconds like five beats too long looks up and goes wait a minute you don't even smoke. He's been out of the house for thirty seconds at this point. Um, one of my favorite dated '90s lines that was said in the scene as well was. Um, Paul Giamatti goes to talk to his wife and her excuse to not speak to him was I'm online right now. <laughs> yeah. Which is like the yeah. 90s, like right. when you were online, it was like yeah, something you're that using you up the phone. couldn't be interfered with. Yeah. Um, she was like, I'm online right now. Um, I enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> uh, we see Paul Giamatti. Yeah, she, she's in a fucking chat room on AOL version 4.0. <laughs> Talking to other women, being like, I hate my husband so much. <laughs> yeah. He is the smallest prick. I fucking hate him. I don't care if he's home. Um... Uh, also, great shot in this scene. Paul Giamatti, a man broken, now walks out of his house, and like they literally they flew a helicopter in the air over his neighborhood to zoom out yes. thousand degrees from his face to the most hooker, <laughs> like cookie cutter neighborhood, like hundreds of feet in the air to show how truly isolated yeah. he is. But prior to that, dude, did you notice there was a there was a fucking steady cab following him, just close up on the bald spot on the back of his head the entire time as he leaves the house? This just to humiliate him further. <laughs> They, they put ten times more development into Paul Giamatti in this scene than they did for the entire rest of the movie. Um, Paul Giamatti at this point like goes on an absolute bender. He disappears and um, shows up at a karaoke bar. Now, now we're cooking with gas. Now we are literally cooking with gas because Paul Giamatti does say he has some background in singing that he alludes to a little bit. Um, but we, you know, don't know that he knows what karaoke is. He doesn't. Yeah. He's, Whereas he's, Huey Lewis puts on a facade of yes, not knowing what yes. karaoke is. Paul Giamatti genuinely is not familiar with the art form. I will remind you, dear listener, karaoke was invented in 1971. 
It has been done worldwide for decades before this movie existed. <laughs> and this movie presents a world in which no one knows what karaoke yeah. is. Yeah, um, like, it's, like, a real, like, niche thing. Like, it's, like, it's underground. An underground. It's yeah. as underground as it gets. Yeah, Where, their own whereas language. well before this movie came out, I was watching people do karaoke that I didn't want to hear, just going sure. out for Chinese food. Absolutely. Um, and this movie just negates that. Now, my personal belief is that Bruce Paltrow wrote this movie in 1973 and put it in a yeah, desk. right. And was like, Bruce I'm... Paltrow for sure, like, performed at a karaoke bar in, like, 1973. Like, sang a Joe Cocker, Cocker song, had, like, the best sex of his mm-hmm. life after someone, it's like, like someone, like, dosed him so that he'd be good at karaoke. And he was like, this is the story that needs to be told. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm thinking it was more like he was like, um, I want to make a movie about fucking my daughter. And I, I need to wait until I'm on my deathbed, yeah. or else my entire life is gonna fall apart and how become can, a pariah. How can I mask it so it doesn't get Lolita vibes? What's like the most innocuous activity? He did not mask it whatsoever. <laughs> um, so um, Paul Giamatti uh, starts talking to the barmaid about the menu, and and she starts using one of several in lingos that they try to create like I don't what's the best way to what's the best analogy for this like when you watch a movie and they introduce you to like a world you don't know like Fast like and Furious like all of Grind like every line in fucking Grind since no one's seen that in Fast and Furious <laughs> um, you know like in the first Fast and Furious movie they explain to the audience what Nas yeah, they're is talking about Nas constantly. Um, at the time when that movie was made Nas was not fully known by every man woman and child on earth this again is 20 years after karaoke's inception every single person knows it so she explains it to him uh she uses the term shadow did you pick that one up yeah i sure did um shadow was a reference to what somebody who just stands around a karaoke bar but doesn't sing yeah it's like a fucking karaoke like pussy she was like what are you gonna be a shadow man he's like i ain't no shadow which so the implication being that like not only are all these people fans but like if you want any there's an inherent contempt amongst the scene for the fans unless they are also participants it's an inherently exclusionary scene like that would be like if we've all been in bands that would be like if we only wanted the opening bands to be in the crowd and anyone else we just berated the entire time um it's at this point that uh Paul's getting pretty close to doing the real fucking deed. He's yeah. got a song picked out. Well, he, he, need, he needs a little a little pushing along first. He gets he, uh, he gets some drugs handed to him. Now, again, when you are making a movie where you're introducing this insane subculture, um, you know, whether it's like talking about ecstasy in a movie or LSD about the 60s, things like that, for the karaoke scene, we have the beta blocker. Um, this is what I would assume to be like an over-the-counter vitamin. Yeah. That right. um, is a that that is a beta blocker. Now the girl who gives it to him says this will like unloose so, so all your inhibitions. Up, man. Like what she doesn't know is this is a man who just left his entire family. He's already pretty loose. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I would say She's Dan, like, take this vitamin B, bro. I would say that from the moment that he takes the beta blocker until the end of the movie, he's absolutely out of his mind. <laughs> absolutely. Like he is crazy in the beginning, but from the beta blocker on, they don't yeah. ever really tell you like he's recovered from that. No. He's, he's pretty like, much just fucked up out of his mind like for the Nick entire Cage movie. Cage and what's that fucking movie where he's like pouring fucking oh ink God, all Nick, over himself. Nick Cage would have been so good in this role. <laughs> What's that movie where he's like in a white room like pouring ink all over himself? You know what I'm talking about? I don't know. Was that just like from his Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Paul Giamatti takes a beta blocker uh, which the woman who gives it to him says it's quote something that'll take away all your fear. Yeah. Um, she's like only serious K-heads take beta blockers. Yeah and then she pushes him on stage immediately and he's like it hasn't kicked in yet. Yeah. <laughs> 
and then it kicks in. Yeah. And he fucking smashes. Yeah. Within moments, he's grinding the floor and shit. Here's the thing. I don't care how good you are at singing or karaoke, there's no bar that's ever gone as ham as that bar did to Lionel Richie's Hello. <laughs> What a weird song yeah. to be like the song <laughs> yeah. where he realizes yeah. that karaoke is the, the place liberation. The turns into a fucking rave. Like, oh, absolutely. Paul Giamatti is like one, if there was one more chorus in that song, like he would be like have his cock out jerking off on that crowd. Paul Giamatti fucking kills it. It's at this moment that yeah. he truly realizes he is capable of anything. <laughs> literally anything, but karaoke on the basis of karaoke. all of his wildest dreams. <laughs> Karaoke being the base minimum to his insanity. <laughs> yeah, but it turns out for him that anything that needed to be unlocked is just becoming a complete fucking degenerate scumbag. Yes. And we will get into that, but not before we meet Maria Bello's character. Um, respected actress Maria Bello turned in the worst performance in this movie. She was an abhorrent character. Her performance was terrible, and all of her karaoke was Just bad. a mean-spirited character. Like, awful. This, the writer of this film truly had such issues with women. Can I just say, like, the, I was going to say this up top, but the, it has never been more evident to me than with duets that the writer of the film deeply needs therapy. There's not a character going through a normal, unperverted, just yeah. just and just a normal character arc. Every character is deeply yeah, troubled. Huey Lewis is presented as the most normal character in the movie. And he's a complete degenerate and who abandoned his fucking family. To bang his daughter. Dude, um, so the only women char female characters we're presented with are, uh, what's that actor's name? Maria Bello? So yes. we got her, who we'll get into what a, what a complete fucking psychopath she is. Right. We have the 78-year-old teacher who hides fucking ham in her snatch and steals for the thrill of it and yeah. berates her former students. Well, uh, let's face. see if we can find one normal character in this entire film. Gwyneth, Paltrow, Gwyneth Paltrow, who like like sensually whisper sings like Billie Eilish to her dad to try to get him to like finger bang her in a fucking department store. Big like, facts. <laughs> Huge facts to that. Um, Paul Giamatti's wife who's just a Paul Giamatti's wife is the most normal person. Yeah, she's just a cold, miserable person. She just likes being online. <laughs> These are the only... And then we have the woman who introduces Paul Giamatti to Kay, which involves just feeding a stranger drugs and she yeah. starts making out with him immediately nope. to get him to go on yep. stage. Nope, not a single... And these are all of the female characters Not in the a film. single redeemable female. <laughs> Whoever wrote this movie was beaten by their mother, like, <laughs> relentlessly or emotionally. Um, so we meet uh, the most broken of all female characters, maybe one of the most broken female characters <laughs> I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. It's um, like second only to Marla Singer. <laughs> just to keep everything straight for you, she's going to be integral in the Scott Speedman former priest cab driver plot line. <laughs> uh, but we first meet her as she jumps off of a bus. Um, uh, now, this is the classic scene you've seen in a thousand movies where the wide-eyed starlet jumps off the bus in L.A. to, uh, you know, get her career started and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she jumps off the bus looking wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. She uh, goes up to a homeless guy first. And it's like, again, like, you cannot get 11 seconds of reprieve in this movie. Right. There's, no, there's no relief from the moments that made me uncomfortable. Um, she starts interacting with the homeless guy. The homeless guy asks her for change. She's this black guy, you know, covered up in a blanket, holding a cup out to her. Um, uh, she says that she's broke, um, so she doesn't give anything. But she goes, "But maybe you can help me." Yeah, right. And this guy's like, "What?" what? <laughs> <laughs> and and she's like, "No, of any karaoke bars around here?" <laughs> and just like, dude, I. Like, this character's seriously asking this question. You know they what I mean? couldn't just start the scene with her walking into a karaoke bar. Yeah. She needed, like, an emergency. She needs to abuse a homeless man. 
And this guy looks at her like, no, I'm dying out here. I'm dying out here. I'm the not going to direct you to a karaoke the only, bar, the miss. And the only consistent reaction would have been, what's karaoke? Because that's how everyone... no one knows it. No one knows it. From the top to the bottom. Former singers don't know it. People who work in the industry doing karaoke don't know it or act as if they don't know it. It's not the Skull and Bones Society. It's a form of party game. It is the most innocuous. It's just so stupid. Dude, especially, especially when we we skip the part when Paul Giamatti first does it. The music starts and he starts singing too quick, and everyone starts booing him, and they have to like stop and come up and explain to him like, "Don't sing until like the ball bounces over the words you're supposed to sing." And like, he's like, yeah. "Oh, crazy!" Insane. Fucking insane that he needed that And then every person that he subsequently introduces to karaoke, he's like, just wait, just wait, the words will light up. Like, And she's like, she's like, uh, wait for the words to light up, blah, blah, blah. And he totally fucks up. People are literally booing him. <laughs> and then as soon as she explains that to him, yeah. suddenly, and by the way, I just want everybody to know, like, I had to he's sit. He's coming in on upbeats and shit. No, I had to sit in my car today and look at an actual video on YouTube with karaoke readout lyrics for cruising, to sing cruising. <laughs> and it's fucking hard when you don't have the singing going on. Yeah. Like, it's fucking hard, and that's why karaoke sounds like shit. And that's why karaoke isn't art, because it's not meant to be done like that, Dan. Um, and and so I, I had to look at this thing, and I had heard the song thirty times and fucked it up. When I tell you that Paul Giamatti switches from being completely clueless to being told the letters light up, and then nails every fucking beat, stops looking at the screen like anyone in this movie, right. stops looking at the screen within one second, right. knows every single word of the fucking song. They switch from his voice to his voice pre-recorded yeah, in the studio. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just, oh god, it was just awful. Um, so we meet this chick. She she goes into her first karaoke bar of the movie. Um, how she found it, we Dude, don't know. Because we don't the know. Guy we don't know, but I guarantee you, she sucked a bunch of dicks to find it because that is shown multiple times in the movie to be the way that <laughs> That's she, how she handles everything. Um, we're gonna get there though. Um, so she um, goes into her first karaoke bar. Her vibe is like, <laughs> and, and her vibe is like the entire woman's character. Her only fucking character development is that she sucks dicks together. <laughs> She just offers casually to suck a dick we for need, Yeah, I mean, we need to talk about the resolution of her <laughs> ultimate plot arc. It's just incredible. Um, so, uh, she goes into a karaoke bar. Her vibe is very much like she's an insider. Anybody who doesn't know everything about karaoke can go get fucked. She's on the way to L.A. to become yeah. a famous karaoke yeah, she's singer. she's a true fucking, like... She's like a Radiohead fan for karaoke. Um, and uh, it's it's at this point where she looks at the bartender and just offhandedly just goes, what's the purse in this shithole? You got a KJ? Which I would assume is a karaoke jukebox. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. She says to the bartender, you got a KJ, while she's throwing her jacket like onto the bar like she literally works in the yeah. building. Yeah, yeah. She's, yes. she's just, like, really throwing lingo around there. These are, like, the people at the bowling alley who, like, bring all their custom shit and take it way too seriously. It's through a, a couple circumstances with Scott Speedman. Uh, <laughs> What's where... the purse in this? What's the purse in this shit? Like, like, you got like a KJ? Like it's the World Series of Poker. Yeah. <laughs> What's the purse? They use purse so much in Shadow and K-Head. Dude, it's, it's, it's a lot. K-Talk. They said, at one point, they said K-Talk. Yeah. Did you pick that one up? They were, yeah. they were like... Oh, you know K-Talk? Yeah, my ears prickled up. That's the language is K-Talk. Yeah. Um, K-Talk to me is like when your friend after the show is talking, forgets what they're saying, and then just pauses. Everybody pauses and gets really quiet. And you're like, oh, my friend's like losing his motor skills. Like he's forgetting what he's yeah. saying. Yeah. That's K-Talk. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, so she sings. She's fine. I mean, for someone who's pursuing karaoke, I know she's by she's far very, the weakest. She's very off. She's key. way worse compared to Paul Giamatti, she's who just by learned, far what the most... learned what karaoke was moments earlier. <laughs> she's by far the most dedicated karaoke. And she does the singer. most like subdued, tame song out of everyone. Yeah, <laughs> that's always a bummer with her. Yeah. I, I don't get it. I, they're trying to make her the starlet, but yeah. she's terrible. Like she's like practically walking up, being like, Alas. "It's at this point through whatever." circumstances necessary to get to the plot point that Scott Speedman, who recently has been let go by his cab company, has in possession of a cab and refuses to give it back to he his owns, He owns boss. half a cab. He owns half a cab with his boss, whatever. Um, he offers her... No, she begs him to go to California multiple times. Will you drive me to California? How about you drive me to California? Your cab, blah, blah, blah. She then, in no specific um, terms, I mean, uh, I know this is very vague, uh, but she basically says, I'm going to suck your dick from here to California. <laughs> um, she literally says, I, I will make you happy for the whole ride. Yeah. Um, I don't like it. Cut to smash cut to her naked in a hotel room with him getting dressed, being like... Yeah, what was that? She, she was like, uh, you got too drunk, I tried to make you drink water, so instead I fucked your, like, drunk corpse all night. <laughs> and she's, she was like, I fucked your drunk drunk corpse all night, but you were semi-hard. She right. mentions that. Yeah, she she goes... She's like, you were a half-staff. She, she goes, she goes, she goes, I could have gone longer, but you were half ma- perpetually half-mass like a nation in mourning. <laughs> Dude, there are lines in this movie that are absolutely pitch black and in their was, darkness. So this was after the fact where first he, uh, Speedman goes home to find his wife uh, banging his quote-unquote business partner, a.k.a. the guy who owns the back half of his single taxi cab. <laughs> I hate this one. This movie is terrible. I'm having trouble getting through this one. This one is terrible. Um, so, I could have gone longer, but you were in half mass like a nation in mourning. Yeah, she mean, just admitted to having raped his lifeless drunk corpse. <laughs> and she's still critiquing his ability to stay hard. <laughs> and like this is a whole movie, movie about came, like this movie came out like nine months before 9-11. <laughs> Perfect timing. This movie dropped on DVD right after 9-11, probably. <laughs> There's a guy in a cave watching this movie. Be like, just you wait. <laughs> you think morning now? Um, <laughs> when they talk about the, the George Bush, it's like they hate our freedoms. Our, our freedoms to suck dick from Texas all the way to California. I mean, she offers to blow him the entire <laughs> tribe. That's half the country. That just sounds horrible. Um, okay, so we, we need to we need to move on here. Um, for fuck's sake. <laughs> now we're introduced. Respected actress. <laughs> now we're introduced to another character, but this character is the final character that we will be introducing, and yeah. he really is like the linchpin of this movie in multiple ways. Yeah, this is like the Murdoch. The the <laughs> themes and the the comments on race that are derived from this character's arc with Paul Giamatti are chilling to the bone. Yeah, this is um, we're, we're back in crash territory now. <laughs> like my body froze up during during their scenes many times, but. Okay, so we're introduced to this black guy who is hitchhiking around. It's obvious, like, he's, like, kind of on the run. 
He gets in with a truck driver. The truck driver is very nice to him. Yeah, exceptionally and, and kind. And that's why this scene like really doesn't play for me because we find that also the black guy is pretty kind. Yeah, right. He's, he's one of the most decent. He's people supposed to be like Paul Giamatti's redeeming redemption arc, but, but he's we, introduced as a total piece of shit. As we find out at the end of the movie, this black guy is a, a convicted felon on the run. Yeah, um, and he. Uh, is hitchhiking and this truck driver is so sweet to him and gives him all this like life knowledge and just like drops these very like Simba Mufasa like <laughs> knowledge crystals upon him and then like they 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 par about to part ways they're at the truck stop he's like you know you have a good one young black fella and he's like <laughs> okay and then just pulls a gun on yeah, him yeah a huge clock and he just goes give me the money man <laughs> And this guy, this guy has the reaction that I had. He's like, really? He's like, really? After all of this? Yeah. Really? He's like, dude, like, come on. Don't be that guy. <laughs> and then the truck driver goes, man, you got to develop some skills. <laughs> like, he's giving him, like, career advice. And he goes, I got skills. Yeah, it's this. <laughs> fucking God. Um, or was he referring to karaoke? We'll never know. Um... <laughs> Um, so this black guy on the run who is uh, carrying a gun and is on the run from the law gets picked up by Paul Giamatti, who is deep into what I was calling Paul Giamatti turtle energy, which is like from the moment that he eradicated that family of turtles to put that water slide in, he lost a piece of yeah. himself. He's, this he's, is his He's scene. got like five o'clock shadow now. His like. car comes literally barreling down the road in every wrong lane, swerving... In every direction imaginable. He's, he's drinking a beer. Like. And the black guy, like, <laughs> he flags Paul Giamatti down. Paul Giamatti rolls down the window. And the black guy, who, as we have seen, is on the run from the law and is threatened to, like, kill people already in the movie. Yeah, he's like, you're looks fucked. Looks at him, he goes, <laughs> he goes, what's up with your eyes, man? <laughs> and Paul Giamatti, to his credit, looks completely insane. I mean, yeah. at, th at this point, he's got an earring. Dude, now, there's no explanation. <laughs> As to when this happened. And not, not just an earring. Huge, like, like George Michael gold yeah, cross yeah. On earring. His, one single earring on his right ear. <laughs> no explanation. Yeah, I got a vibe, Dan, from when he showed up that, like, you know the vibe you get when you watch uh, Heath Ledger's Joker where it's like you're watching someone find glee in anarchy right. and you're watching somebody on really a tear? Yeah. Like, when he shows up that next time with the earring, <laughs> like, still on beta blockers, yeah. still losing his fucking mind, I was like, dude, this is real energy. Like, yeah. he's oh, yeah. bringing it yeah, to this he's, role. He fucking went to a place for this role. He went to, yeah, he went to a dark zone. Yeah, like, he was like, he got real method with this. Um, so the black dude's very hesitant about <laughs> About black cruising dude, together with him. Like, you on cocaine? <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? Up us, down us, slam us. <laughs> um, like the most fucking stereotypical racist black character ever. Paul Giamatti's "I'm out for a pack of cigs." Energy continues. He dude, is and just he says it no less than thirty times. He looks at him with like a. Uh, like Jack Nicholson and Departed Energy when like you know when Jack Nicholson's going crazy yeah. and he's like talking about we got a little rat and his like eyelids were like going well, I mean, he's like he's like I'm going out for cigarettes Paul Giamatti's <laughs> energy is Jack Nicholson gift from Anger Management where he's got the one raised yeah, eyebrow yeah. and he's just smiling yeah. that's like literally Paul Giamatti's whole vibe in this movie 
Um, so he picks up the black guy. They start a road trip in which they're going to go on karaoke yeah, quest as well. Bu- it becomes a buddy road trip movie briefly. Um, for a moment, Paul Giamatti is teaching this guy how to drive. Uh, so we're seeing Paul Giamatti completely wasted out of his mind, teaching a black man how to drive, <laughs> forcing him to pass cars and trucks. He looks directly into the black guy's face and screams, "Pass him, loser!" Yeah, yeah. We like the black guy's like, "I don't want to pass him." There's an 18 wheeler in the oncoming lane, and Paul's like, "Do it, pussy!" It's at this point that it becomes very apparent to the audience that Paul Giamatti is ready, willing, and eager to die. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he has lost all of his moorings to reality. He yeah. is gone at this point. Um, he um, has a family. Whole family. <laughs> then we're introduced back into Huey Lewis's story, which was where we started. Now we haven't met Gwyneth. Yeah, at this point, yet. I completely forgot Huey Lewis is even part of the film. Yeah, because I mean, there's been in like a whole film. down like the darkest <laughs> bit of despair. Huey Lewis <laughs> and. We're like in like less than zero territory for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Huey Lewis ends up uh, by attending a family funeral, running into his daughter, who's Gwyneth Paltrow. Who he has never met. Yeah, yeah. Who she does not recognize. And also, who he does not recognize her. And and also, like the funeral thing comes about where he gets a phone call while he's in the middle of doing whatever the fuck, and he's just like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, all right, cool. And he hangs up, and someone's like, oh, is that? And he's like, oh, no big deal. Someone died. It's like his mom. Yeah. I mean, he's a mysterious man, Dan. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> it would be very easy for him to say, I go around like a piece of shit, staying in motels, yeah. fucking women half my age. Yeah, it could very karaoke. easily be that he's the one on a drug bender. No. No. This is just how he is. No, this he's just a lone wolf. <laughs> yeah. And the whole movie, from here on out, with him and Gwyneth Paltrow, is him trying to tell her that he's a lone wolf, and her being like his sex muse. Yeah. It's br- and her acting in this movie, I know you said you didn't like it, but to me, like it was very purposeful. Like Someone told her, like you need to act like a nymph. Like you need to act. Yeah, yeah. You need to act like um, like everything like a says is so just like coy and like it's all so coy, naive, but also very like, sexually like, charged. Like, like, it's Lolita. It's all. It's, this, Lolita. it's all this like I'm your little girl, right, Daddy? Like it's so uncomfortable. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it even more because I live in a world. I don't need to speak for you, where I think that I would very much like to watch Gwyneth Paltrow bang Huey Lewis. Yeah, I'd love to watch. Why not? Yeah, that'd be great. But, but they made them father and daughter. I'd love to watch either of them bang anyone. <laughs> Why did they need to be father and daughter? <laughs> other right, than the connecting right. they don't know each other. They don't know each other. Like, because that means like that the ultimate arc for them is that they're supposed to come together, and Huey Lewis is finally going to decide to be a good father, and she's going to get a good father figure. But we we're the the ride we're brought along to get to that resolution is. Not just okay. nothing but sexual tension. Uh, yeah, I mean the point the point of their story, like you said, is that father and daughter reunite. Why there needed to be <laughs> he's so, boatloads of sexual he's tension. So mean to her, too. And he's terribly mean to her. And she's terribly sexual to him. It's just <laughs> she, she, And then she explains to him at one she's point. Like, she's like, I always knew that we'd be together, Daddy. And he's like he's like he's You like, got it he's like, I don't know why you got it in your head that we were gonna meet and like be friends. Like, he's like, You think it's gonna be more than five minutes. It's not. It's just really terrible. Yeah. Um and then I mean there's just lots of He's like, things. I need you for my karaoke duet, and that is it. I had a very uncomfortable moment. Let me talk to you about a movie cliche. Right now, on the Movie Blues podcast, I try to bring up and isolate what I consider to be movie cliches that like nobody really talks about. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow at one point in this movie is explaining to Huey Lewis that she is like a Las Vegas muse that she goes around. Oh my god! Is, is this with, the Tom Jones? Yeah, thing? sleeping yeah. with man to man, just like inspiring them to make good music, whatever. Now she says in the movie that she spent what was it two. Two, two years. Two years. Two okay, years. Two years. Two years. Yeah. 
living in a in, H- in, hotel room? In Tom Jones' penthouse while Sweet. he had a Vegas residency. Now, the father is immediately either turned on or grossed out. I don't know. But there's she, no part. There's no part of him that's like, wait, you know Tom Jones? No, it's instantly this like. No, because he's got to be cool. He's, he's like, gotta play cool. he's like, you been fucking Tom Jones? He was like, you been fucking Tom Jones? <laughs> he's my age. Yeah. Um. Great. Um, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, he's like, so you're you're into that shit, right? That's I, I, terrible. Movie cliche number thirteen or fourteen I've identified in this podcast is that. You have situations in which someone, like a writer, writes into a scene something that I consider to be almost slanderous. Like, to right. me... <laughs> Tom, Tom Jones, Jones could sue somebody. <laughs> yeah, Tom Jones could could have... I don't know anything about him, but, like, he, he could have been happily married for the past 60 years. <laughs> and his children could throw on duets and be like, why are they making my dad look like a philanderer? Well, it's just not necessary. Well, no, because then she clears up. She's like, no, I didn't sleep with him, Yeah, silly. but no one, no one believes that. <laughs> and, and, and she's the kind of girl, especially in this movie, that even if she didn't sleep with him, she was walking around naked the whole time. Yeah. Like, that was guaranteed. But that's because for the love of art. It's sick. See, it's where, sick shit. Which, and it's which made means, by her dad. Which, mean, which means that she is actually, this, like, new fame that she's getting on the karaoke circuit is a significant... Like, it's like a riches to rags situation, because previously she was on the Vegas residency circuit. <sighs> this is her trying to recapture her glory days. Incredible. She's like 25. She's, like she, she's already lived with Tom Jones for years. For years. Who was she, 15 and 16? <laughs> like, I mean, you'd have to imagine that whoever wrote this or directed this was friends with Tom Jones, or Huey Lewis is friends with Tom Jones. I don't think like, so, because as I was saying with this cliche, this happens in movies a lot, where they make a joke of, of involving somebody who's real... And they do it in period movies a lot. Like, right. you'll see a fictional period piece where it's like, and then she fucked JFK. And it's yeah, like, mm, they're, they're like, that's, that's how they prove that it's grounded in reality. Yeah, but to me, that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Because I'm like, you're making gross assumptions here. Well, sir. because that's what starts making my head spin. Because I was like, all right, so now we're acknowledging that we're living within a universe in which our perception of pop culture and professional musicians is the same as them, which means in their universe, Huey Lewis and the news existed, probably. Yes. Like, Huey Lewis and Tom Jones are, like, arguably contemporaries. Dan, in this movie, the character that Huey Lewis was playing had glasses on. Right. So that was a completely different Yeah, it's like a Clark Kent thing. Absolutely. Um, uh, Theory number one, Dan and I have discussed already. Imagine if she was like, I've been living with Huey Lewis for years. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) that would be funnier to me and less, less, like, poisonous. She's Um, like, I've been hanging out in Bruce Paltrow's penthouse for two years. I mean, that is a fact. That would have been just a documentary moment. Um, oh, man. Um, Bruce Paltrow for sure was in next year. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, um, we now go back to uh, Paul Giamatti. Now, Paul Giamatti's just out for a pack of cigarettes energy has evolved at this point. It's become almost like he... Paul Giamatti's PCE. His, his PCE has evolved. And and now it's more like he's like Tyler Durden to the black guys, <laughs> yeah. Edward Norton. Um, so he gets a, he, yeah the the guy who's presented as like the seventies black exploitation character who is like a felon on the run hijacking people is now like the voice of reason, being like, man, you got clean your act up, son. Like he's like this. it's like it's like Danny Glover versus like fucking Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon Four when like Mel Gibson just gets completely fucking unhinged. It just yeah, I mean. Oh, it's watching somebody rain in somebody else, both of which need to be arrested, is just uncomfortable. Um, this is where we start really seeing the hinges of this movie fucking just fall off. Like, this is where I, I became I became sad and, and, and despondent. Um, Paul Giamatti, like, 
uh, goes into a hotel. They go in to check in for the night. Now, at this point, Paul Giamatti, we could just skip through it a little bit. Paul Giamatti's already seen the black guy's gun. Um, they've played around with it. Paul Giamatti seems to be weirdly obsessed with the gun. Yeah, he loves the gun. Um, it's a very nice gun. I think I, I, It's like a Glock 23. As Dan and I said, there's only one gag that worked in this movie, and it was Paul Giamatti bitching about his frequent flyer miles. Um, he goes up to the front desk of, of the hotel. He asks about if he can use his frequent flyer miles because the, the hotel technically should take them. The hotel shuts him down, and his response is to <laughs> take a gun... And as he's screaming about the government, as he's screaming, he's basically like human. Well, what what, re- what really fucking breaks him is that he's like, no, 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 I'm I've racked up eight hundred thousand frequent flyer miles. I'm on planes all the time. I read the in-flight magazine. It says this hotel is where I get to use my frequent flyer miles. And he's like, did you f- fly yesterday? And he's like, no. And the guy's like, well, if you had read yesterday, you would have said that we discontinued that program. And there was like this beat. And I was like, Paul Giamatti's about to slap and it's about to snap. And he goes, you guys never took the frequent flyer miles, did you? And then the guy just like smirks at him and like shrugs like, and Paul Giamatti. snap, he does. Dude, it, it's it, like, he looks like fucking Jim Carrey and me, myself and Irene when he's like switching into fucking egg. Like, it's like, nah, nah. Paul Giamatti takes a gun and starts shooting it at this guy. Not really at him, but around him, yeah, sort of. Yeah, just like in the vicinity. Um... And is loving every second of it. He's <laughs> loving to see the torture on another person's face. Now, we're going to get into what this ultimately leads to now, because uh, it just for, for reference sake, is going to be better to not go back to the other stories. The escalation now goes from like, okay, that scene was uncomfortable. Hopefully that will be the crescendo of violence that we've been waiting for, <laughs> to the darkest fucking scene I've seen in any movie from this season of the Movie Blues podcast. Um, my man Paul Giamatti goes full Tyler there and he rolls up to a gas station where he again is like acting as if he is completely either wasted or just completely yeah. just disaffected, lost and, his mind. And you know, he gets a little wrong. The clerk is a little rude to him, a little short with him. A little bit, but he is acting very strange. <laughs> yeah, he's, acting, he's going around knocking things like over. He hasn't slept in four days and has been yeah. snorting beta blockers. Um, he's acting like someone who is deep in the grips of a beta blocker. He's knocking shit over. <laughs> He puts a ski mask on yeah. that, that is for sale in the gas station and then sunglasses <laughs> puts sunglasses over the and, ski and mask. And he doesn't understand why the clerk is like, you shouldn't be here. And then just pulls a gun out and starts aiming it at the clerk. Yeah. Um, when the black guy walks in, he sees that Paul Giamatti is aiming the gun at the clerk and it's just like, yo, like, put the gun down, man. He's like, what are you doing? Gun. Give me the gun. <laughs> And Paul the Giamatti, black guy's like, that's my gun. I'm going to get in trouble. Paul Giamatti is like loving it. <laughs> he's like Joker on the fucking murder show. He's like, he's, like, was, the, he's like, I love the fear in this guy's face. I know. He's feeding off this man's fear. Now, again, he's while this is happening and while any scene is happening from the past two or three segments of Paul Giamatti, he's screaming about the government. He's screaming <laughs> about how unfair the corporate yeah, world there, is. There's a running theme where, like his industry has turned the entire country into one long strip mall. He's right. like, he's like, coast to coast, just strip malls, Pizza Huts, McDonald's, the United States of Commerce. But dude, as he's doing these crimes... <laughs> it's, like, it's your job. You're the one who fucking did it. But also, as he's doing these crimes, he's perpetrating them against blue-collar Yeah, workers. just to do, like, minimum wage fucking like, store it's, it's not like he went to Enron and started shooting everyone. <laughs> right. Like, he goes into a gas station and starts threatening a man's life. Yeah. Like, it's sad. Yeah, it's, right. It's sad <laughs> right. to watch. So the black guy tries to intervene, 
And then there's the weirdest edit. I would assume the that worst. this, this the was worst. like done by the MPAA. They were like, you cannot. <laughs> you guys, you do not want it. They didn't even. This was probably the first time the MPAA gave a movie review. They were like, we usually would cut this out for violence, but you're already a hard R. <laughs> yeah. But we will tell you that it is not wise to put this scene into the movie. You have to cut to what looked like a, a, a painted exterior. Right. The gas station right. with with compositing behind it yeah. of, of a background. Yeah, it's trash. It, it looks like garbage. <laughs> it was terrible. And then over that image, still you, image, yeah. you hear like eight gunshots. Yeah. Okay, so I was like, all right, the next scene with Paul is going to be him being like, what a crazy time. Yeah. We shot at each other. <laughs> it was exhilarating. <laughs> I had the time of my life. But instead, we cut to the two of them sitting in the car driving. And Paul Giamatti is like smiling. Oh, Paul Giamatti's still on a definite high. Yeah. Um, and and it is revealed that Paul Giamatti fucking murdered him. Yeah. He cold blood Yeah. Not murdered. even robbing him. For didn't nothing. rob him. They the didn't take anything. The only thing he took was the ski mask and the sunglasses. <laughs> Which like, he only needed so that he could murder him. Guys, this is a karaoke movie. <laughs> All right? Everybody try to have fun with this. All that happened to trigger this was that Paul Giamatti got turned down from using his freaking flyer miles. I mean... He killed someone, Dan. Like, he killed someone. This was a movie that I never, never, if you show me the trailer, if yeah. you're like, yeah, you're right, like how many what's the death count in this movie? No, like, here's, this movie here's, has more deaths than the last James Bond movie. Here's, the, here's duets. Uh, okay, that was a cool trailer. How many people do you think Paul Giamatti kills? None! What do you mean, how many? You mean, like, with his voice? Like, yeah, like, with his talent? I don't... What are we doing in this movie? We're at a point where... Bungie you Monty showed, me the, you dude. showed me the trailer and you were like, how many dicks get sucked for paint jobs in this movie? The, uh, we haven't even gotten to there yet. Yeah, we totally skipped over that. Um, no, no, I mean, we're, you know, we're getting there. This Back to Scott Speedman at this point. He, um is trying to disguise the fact that his cab um, has all its markings on it, because, again, he, <laughs> he only owns the front half. He only owns the front half. Um, so they go, uh, Maria Bello and Scott Speedman, who are now on a trip to California to make her karaoke trips come tri kill me. Um, <laughs> um, they go to a mechanic, this, like, this big, fat, bald guy, and he kind of seems chill, too. I didn't get, like, yeah, a very nice tremendous... Guy. Pro professional guy. Very professional guy. Yeah. He's like, here's what we he, did. He's, he's like, like, here's your estimate. Yeah. Um, you know, we can do this, this, like, um, and this is what we did, and I'm running a professional business, and I, I, we'll take Amex, do you want to do a check, what's going on? Now, Dan, when I say this, I need you to do the car honk. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> in the scene where she says it, when she says the word, they do a car honk, because they're in a, they're in a mechanic place, and while she does say this, the final word, they put a car honk over. That was not the case in the version that I watched. Really? I, no, yeah. No, yeah, I, no, there's a definite sound no, effect. No, that they no. She said it. You could hear it, but it was layered with a sound effect. But the, the long and short of it That was probably something that got added, not in this cut. <laughs> if you are listening this to this was podcast, harrowing. If you're listening to this podcast, we've alluded to it a hundred times already, but she looks at this fucking mechanic and just goes, is it going to be any cheaper if I suck your cock? Dude, not only that, she goes, she goes, well, she goes, she's like, she's like wearing like a very professional, like smart, like 90s woman suit. And she's like, well, the thing is, sir, we don't have, my friend and I, we don't have a ton of money, but it would be absolutely wonderful if you would just do me the honor and the privilege of letting me suck your dick. 
Right. <laughs> that was the line. <laughs> and then it just cuts away to them driving away in the fucking car. And that's that, man. <laughs> there was no car honk in the version that I rented. Yeah, I had a car honk. That's funny. It was in the download. Dude, it was... It was a, it was just like, sign if you suck your... Burp. No, it was not like that. It was like, let you oh, suck your wow. dick. And then he just looks up just like... <laughs> and then she did. And then she does. And granted, it was off camera, but so was the person that Paul Giamatti murdered. Right. And then they're driving. Doesn't mean it didn't happen, Dan. They're, they're driving around, and he's just like, what the fuck was that? She was like, that's how I get what he I was like, He was like, why did you take me to get all this work done on the car if you had no money? Insanity. <laughs> uh, in- insanity. Um, <sighs> this is at the point at which she delivers and like I said there's some lines in this movie that should be put on a fucking embroidered into a pillow because they're so fucking insane <laughs> um, she goes <clears throat> well she gets to the hotel with Scott they're arguing he's like you know you don't have to like degrade yourself <laughs> he's like you don't have to suck dicks for everything like, like I didn't need that like, paint he's I like I just, tried to offer you money earlier <laughs> just scratch the serial number off we're out of state it almost doesn't matter at this point but <laughs> Uh, they get in an argument. She's and like, I just love... Dude, it's the same. It's that Demi Moore thing from fucking Disclosure. This is the Demi Moore <laughs> energy from Disclosure, 100%. She's like, I'm a woman. I'm a fucking strong, independent woman. I love putting cocks in my mouth. Like, And then she goes, you're going to be jerking off to my memory on your goddamn deathbed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, here we are. We're circling in on the final... Here we go. The final fucking moments of this movie. Um... All of these disparate plot threads are leading towards this karaoke, karaoke movie's two hours long, by the yeah. way. <laughs> and we've, at this point, I feel like we've talked about no, nothing related to karaoke for at no, least a half an hour. Because karaoke is merely a backdrop. It ceases to exist in this movie for quite some time. Um, but anyway, we're, this was this reeks of two different scripts that were combined. Like this is like two is a bare. This minimum is like fucking game. Halloween three season of the witch energy where they're just like. I tie, tie it into the karaoke flip. I hear that, but also, like, I want just the script of Paul Giamatti's movie mm-hmm. as its own thing that is just has no karaoke. It's like in Basketball it. Diaries gritty. Um, anyway, uh, we finish, uh, like all great movies, such as Little Italy finishes in a pizza competition, and, but for this movie, it was the final karaoke competition. Yeah, um, all three threads fucking. What was the purse, Dan? What was the purse? I don't know. Purse was 5K. <laughs> worth it. That's how much it probably cost to drive to California from fucking Orlando or wherever the fuck. Um, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti's rich. And the black dude stumble upon the competition. Did you notice that? I, I didn't. They were driving in the middle of the night. Okay. Paul Giamatti says, was I gotta this, pull over and piss. Was this after they're having, they're like in a hotel and like, yeah. Talk, the black guy's like, I'll take the fall for you, Riggs. No, that's after. So what happens first is that Paul Giamatti goes, or no, the black guy goes, I got to take a piss. I'm pulling off the highway. He pulls off the highway into the karaoke competition, Dan. <laughs> and, and, and then we what cut What luck, to, given that Paul Giamatti <laughs> recently got into karaoke. What luck being that Paul Giamatti in a drug-crazed home, like state happened to pick up a hitchhiker who was amazing at singing as well and that would duet with him multiple times throughout the movie and there and oh so is this the this is the competition that's hosted by Maya Rudolph yes by the hottest version <laughs> yeah, of Maya Rudolph yeah what was that like I, uh, yeah, she was looking good man <laughs> that was the best i've ever seen her i mean she was looking toy just looking fit yeah um, but I was, she was, I was like funny. I was like who's like, this bootleg hot Maya Rudolph yeah nobody knew like she was a comedian I think at this point so no. she was just like just an actress yeah and right was had 
All sorts of strange people. There was also one of the participants in this was uh, that really fat, pale stand-up comedian. You know, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And also Michael Buble. Oh, my God. Now, uh, <laughs> dear listener, imagine that the most talented person in this movie, Michael Buble, who's an incredible <laughs> singer, yeah. not only is shout, he like... Shout out, Pat Brady. Yeah, one of the only facts that I read of this movie said that Michael Bublé's scene was cut almost entirely. There's only like 15 seconds of right. his performance in it, but apparently the entire thing used to be in it. Cut for time, thankfully. And um, Yeah, probably because his fucking record label saw a cut of it and they were like, you gotta get the fuck out of this. But like, they, it seemed like they only did one take with him. Like at the end of his song, he was literally going like, and then like the, the <laughs> instrumentals faded and he was then just all by himself and he was like, Shubin. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. It's like not a good look for yeah. Michael Bublé. Right. Not a good look for anybody, really. This movie. Gotta admit, <laughs> nobody came out unscathed from this one. Um, Michael Bublé. Thank, thankfully, they cut his scene because heaven forbid that he would be associated with this movie <laughs> That's at what this I'm point. Saying. Um, that wholesome man. Um, so Gwyneth and Sp- Scott Speedman um, meet up, and and this is when a movie that is two hours long decides that the central romantic relationship is between Scott Speedman and Gwyneth. Paltrow. Yeah, what is that? Bizarre. Yeah. Just bizarre. They meet each other in the last seven minutes. And suddenly, like, the entire movie frames itself around the two of them getting together. Yeah, it's like Gwyneth Paltrow's character arc is like she's grown out of wanting to fuck her father into wanting to fuck a priest. Yeah, and the priest (laughs) has grown out of fucking a prostitute for the past three days. Yeah, he left his wife yesterday. (sighs) This was a stinker. (laughs) Um... So, Scott Speedman goes looking for his girlfriend. Oh, wait, 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 we skipped a pivotal scene. Which one? Where Gwyneth Paltrow and Huey Lewis are walking around in the clothing store, and she's, like, really trying to, like... Oh, this was a swear. She's, she's like, trying to get him to, like, be, like, nostalgic and, and remorseful for the time he missed with her. And he's, she's, like, trying to get him to bring her along to the karaoke competitions. And she's, like, she's, like, you know, you remember, you know, Mom used to... Used to always sing this song. I just loved it. Where she would be like, she'd be like, "You're gonna fly away, cruising." Surely and, that will never come up again. And Huey Lewis is like, "Yeah, it's the fucking yeah, yeah. I know the song. It's it's fucking Smokey Robinson. He's like, it's cruising, you retard." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Yeah, it's your mother's favorite song. I was married to her. I fucked her and made you like." Yes. Like and she's Shout like Shout out F word guy. <laughs> <laughs> and Gwyneth is like, yeah, 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 cruising, yeah. <laughs> I feel you going to Mark Wahlberg for Gwyneth, and it's it's it, I don't know what to think about I it. I feel like dude, since you pointed that out last week with fucking Mila Kunis, I saw like I was seeing mind. Mark Wahlberg and everybody Everywhere. besides Paul Giamatti in this movie. That's like the Mark Wahlberg Mandela effect, essentially. Where just anybody who cannot fully give a committed performance, you know who else is kind of a Mark Wahlberg is Han- is uh, Anakin. Anakin <laughs> like if you replace all of his, like, yeah, I don't really like sand. It's like coarse. It like hurts my feet. Yeah. Um. I, I, I feel like I feel like I'm like conflicted or whatever. Say how do you mother for me? All right. Um. <laughs> um. Oh God. Then things. You know, just like every character's got to have their moment of wrap up, but like for the whore slash aspiring LA Maria Bello, I don't know where all of a sudden. Prostitute slash aspiring karaoke. The whole fucking movie, they're showing Maria Bello as this fearless prostitute slash 
wannabe musician. Like, she is hardcore to the bone the entire movie. And, and performs in whatever situation, again, dear listener, she is the person who walks into the bar and is like, where's the menu? She's like, where's the K? He's got, got the KJ. Um, <laughs> and um, then when it comes to her singing her final karaoke thing again, in front of 30 people. Right, right. 30 people max. <laughs> to sing her final song, um, Scott Speedman finds her in the bathroom. Yeah. And she's, she's barfing her brains out. Just furiously vomiting. So you're going to tell me that the woman who sucked a thousand cocks to get to L.A. <laughs> is scared shitless to, to play in front of 30 it's people? It's less people than the previous competition we saw her sing at. You, want, you throwing away your whole life sucked like homeless people's dicks off so that you could I mean, and like, there's, do this? there's no stakes. The stakes is that she's going to win a $5,000 purse. Or nothing. But like, she's already, it's not American Idol. She's already proven that she doesn't need money because she can just suck dicks for fucking I mean, it's like a superpower for her. <laughs> She trades fellatio for consumer goods. Do you know how much money you can make sucking dick, man? $5,000! Way more than that! Immediately! Way more! Yeah, immediately! <laughs> you wouldn't have to go to L.A. If that's the intent, is money. The purse, yeah, if she, you will. She could have stayed interested. in Atlantic City. Maria is just awful in this movie. <laughs> her singing sucks. And her final song of Sweet Dreams is... Awful. Just awful. Her performance of lip syncing it is terrible. So I've been watching, uh, I've been watching the, the recent, the reboot of, uh, Name That Tune. Have you seen this? No. So it's, uh, Name That Tune hosted by Jane Krakowski and the band leader is, uh, what's, what's the, the black idol, American idol, Randy Jackson. Randy Jackson. Yeah. Um, and he just, he's the band leader of this epic band, like, 30-piece mm. band, and they're just constantly, they're like, name this tune in five notes, and they'll, like, rip a song for five fucking seconds. That sounds fun. And just, like, I'm just, like, every time I'm like, okay, you know, I fancy myself a strong musician. These are real musicians. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. everyone Absolutely. on that stage just kills it. And then Maria that was Bella. the that was the previous thing that I watched before I watched this. Yes. And Maria Bella singing, and I watched them do Sweet Dreams on Name That Tune. Right. Maria Bella singing Sweet Dreams is fucking terrible. Yeah, and she's god It's like worse. When she comes up with the first note, she's like, Ooh, yeah. 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 Marilyn Manson was like, my version's way better. Um, my favorite line in this movie. You want to hear it? when Marie Bell is barfing. There's um, a line you like more than I would love for you to do me the honor of letting me suck your dick for fucking thousand dollars. <laughs> or if like I'll jerk off over your grave or whatever it was. Um, yeah. uh, yes, my favorite line. And this I one goes out. your half flaccid dead corpse like I should in This goes out to the dude who said that we use foul language on this podcast. Um... <laughs> My favorite line in this movie is when um, Scott Speedman is having his ultimate realization about. Also, like, like what is that name, Scott Speedman? <laughs> that that's his actor name. It's his human name. Well, what the fuck is that? Uh, from Underworld, as everyone knows. <laughs> You're saying like his name, Scott Speedman. I'm sure his name is like that... Mort Rubelstein. Yeah, I'm saying. There's I'm no saying, way. Yeah, I'm his pen name he is picked, awful. He picked like a porn name. Yeah, he was like, "What is the name of like a dick pill?" That's what I want to sound like. I want to sound like a, a living Scott Speedman, a living dick pill. Um, so, uh, Living Dick Pill is sitting on the floor of a, of a stall with this girl. She's throwing up, probably throwing up semen, and, um... <laughs> you would have to think her fucking semen intake at this point is... It's like, she is more it's, constituted. It's in ounces, at least. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, she's getting it out, finally, so that's what's important. Um, anyway, this one goes out to the guy who doesn't like foul language. Um, this is Scott Speedman making his ultimate, and I, when I mean ultimate, like, this is the ultimate message of the movie. He says, 
I'm always going to believe that the world is beautiful, but I'd rather go through life as a complete and utter retard than, a, <laughs> than accept somebody else's miserable reality. <laughs> I missed that line. You missed that line? Dude, that, that was my favorite line of the entire movie. <laughs> That's just a line you can't get away with it. I mean... No. Along with most of this movie. Mostly but. everything that happened in this movie, including karaoke, would not be the centerpiece of anything at this point. Dude, what the fuck is uh, this movie? Um, all right, now There's we need... nothing like that like late 90s, early 2000s things before it was not okay to say retard, where they just can't... Like, oh, that, just... That, that can be like Dan, the fucking redemption This line. was the first time... I'd rather not be a retard. Dan, this is the first time I've ever in my whole life seen the word retard over a scene where strings are playing, where the emotion is swelling, where a character is reaching his apotheosis. Yeah. We have him saying the word retard. <laughs> That's what they got. That's the best. This is what we have. Who got paid to write this script? Uh, uh, I, I just keep picturing Brad Pitt being like, not worth it. Dude, I like, it's just not I, I, it's, it's taken so much energy all day to not like go on a Wikipedia run and figure like, I don't want to find out that the writer of this movie wrote, like, fucking I Heart Huckabees or some shit. We have not, yeah, we have not. I, I have not looked into who made this movie because I don't want to know them. <laughs> um, so, final plot arc that we have to wrap up here, and that is of Paul Giamatti and the Black Guy. Now, this is, like, in a movie. What is this? <laughs> 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 so, so, in a movie that we, I thought we, couldn't get more crazy. We got like, wrap up one. Gwyneth Paltrow finds love. All right. right the, person, the person with whom she found love just gave a very inspiring speech about not what. Sure. There's nothing worse than being a retard. Like, yep. He learned his lesson, obviously. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the way that the Paul Giamatti storyline wraps up is that as we're watching this final. Um, competition we're seeing lots of intercutting of like police cars they basically have been looking for paul giamatti probably because he senselessly murdered someone <laughs> um one scene that we did uh not talk about but that i want to bring up really quick is that before the competition fully takes place paul giamatti goes and meets with his wife who his black friend has now called oh, and been right. like your husband has lost his mind and he's you gone like he goes ass. like full fucking scarface at the meeting like he's lost it when he meets with his wife <laughs> he won't even look at her eyes he's, he's, just, he's just staring at his friend the entire time um and um What's so nuts about that scene, right? What blows me away about that scene is like okay, I've seen plenty of scenes in movies where they're like okay we're gonna call your family because you're getting out of control. We need to have them step in before yeah, it goes too far. It's an but intervention. At this, at this point, Dan, he's already killed someone. Right, right. The help that he's trying to like, the help that he needs. Is I from wish the we police. didn't have to keep calling him the black guy. Just like I don't even know if they ever said his, his name. name. And, and and if the character even had a name, but I don't want to have to go look it up and respect him because he's the only person that didn't sing in this movie. He's the only person whose voice was replaced. Is that true? Yeah. What? Which is bizarre. You'd think the black dude was for sure the only one singing. But that sweet angelic voice coming out of I Paul Giamatti. You said <laughs> I mean that was him. Yeah. Beta blockers and all. <laughs> dude, I mean he calls the he calls the wife and acts like, look, you know, they sit down for a dinner and he's like, I can't believe you called her. And he's like, Look, this is your husband, you love him. Um I just want you to know, like, shit got a little crazy, and, like, the implication is, like, she thinks he did a bunch of drugs and cheated on her. 
and right. she's like, tell me what he did. And he's like, I just want you to know, like, I he's take... In de- I, he's in decay. He's like, I take... <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I take full responsibility. I'll take I'll take the rap. Don't worry about it. And she's right. like, she's like, tell me what happened. And Paul Giamatti just pulls out a gun at the dinner table. And he's like, check this shit out. <laughs> what? What? Guys, literally, that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> and she's like, wait, what? He's like, I, yeah, I kill people now. <laughs> it was, no, it was utterly insane. Um, and she just starts crying at the table. <laughs> and she's like, I gotta go. But, like, it's it's like... You can't... You'd be fucking terrified. You literally cannot make this shit up. <laughs> like, this movie exists. And was marketed as a rom-com. Then... There's no comedy in the entire movie. Then... Or, oh or sweetness. There's only grotesque dick-sucking. Can I tell you about another line that hit me wrong in this movie that I thought was just so bizarre? Was that... Paul Giamatti um, and his buddy are in the hotel room. They're, it's the night before the competition. Um, <laughs> the night before the big swim meet. Dude, seriously, like this was a line of like a 1920 serial. It made no sense in the movie. Um, the black guy's talking about what song are you going to do? Should we perform together? Blah, 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 blah. And Paul Giamatti cuts in and he's like, well, you don't think it'd be funny if we didn't do it? Yeah. But, like, he didn't say it like that. Right, right. He, he like, said it normally. Right. Like, delivered normally. I was like, whoa, yeah. that line was fucking odd. Like, he's <laughs> like, ah, wouldn't you think people think it was funny? Yeah. I was like, no, it's that's like, no, not. they wouldn't because literally, as we've learned so far, is there's an entire category within the scene of strictly duets. Of we've already had a scene in which someone gets to, the first time the two of them get to a K-bar, and they're informed that they can't compete because it's duets night. So no, it wouldn't be funny. Everyone would be thrilled. <laughs> We've already learned that duet night is like the elite K night. <laughs> <laughs> um, like only those who truly party get to fucking duet. So dude, the way that their storyline wraps up again, this is they're all at the same competition with each other. Um, yeah, they're getting their K on. At this point, everybody's blasted on K. Um, <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow and her dad are singing a song about fucking each other, um, <laughs> as we've all seen coming this whole time. Um, everybody pretty much knocks it out of the park, and then it's time for Paul Giamatti slash the black guy to go up, and yeah. the black guy nobly takes the yeah. stage. So, again, so, we're seeing... Somehow, some of the two of them singing cruising is not the climax of the karaoke <laughs> No, no, in, in a 30-minute karaoke the scene, finale. The scene in which the entire movie is marketed around and they released a hit single about... Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not the important part. No, of the, the important part is the black guy getting on stage and acapella singing "Freebird." Dude, he's Woo! like, dude, like Paul Giamatti's like, what, what, what? You don't want me to go up there? And he's like, I got this. And he goes up. He's like, oh, but then remember the he's woman. Like, if I stay here with you, girl, the woman who tries to give him the the menu. Yeah, he doesn't need. He it. goes, he, I'll need. He's that. like, I'm going off book. He goes, I'ma create the music. Yeah, right. And what's like. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't you have just done it to Freebird? Yeah, right. And I was like, we've been probably more. Effective. I was like, I was like, oh shit, he wrote a song about their like fucking their no their body and Clyde esque fucking adventure. No, Dan, it was Freebird, <laughs> and he's he just looks right at the camera. He's like, if I stay here with you, girl, things won't ever be the same. Chilling, and then and then it gets, it just like it's like the st- string swell, and he's like, and this bird. You cannot change, and it cuts to fucking Paul Giamatti, and he's like, "I, Lord knows, I can change. 
I can change. Oh my god, I forgot about that. <laughs> Which point? Like the, the dude. No, no, hold on. Like the lyrics. It's it's like to suggest as if like Paul Giamatti's ultimate liberation is just listening and comprehending the lyrics to free. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh shit, this is so beautiful. I didn't. It never occurred to me that I could change. But you've already killed people. Guys, this is a real movie. At which point the police. In okay. the fucking doors. Then, <laughs> then the movie like shifts into Book of Henry territory, and like the police come in. The black guy pulls out the gun to to suicide himself by police. Yes, this is the this is the end of the karaoke movie, guys. A black man suicides himself through the police so that a white rich murderer. <laughs> Can walk yeah. free. A, a guy that and uses frequent flyer miles at long last. <laughs> yeah, Paul Giamatti has no repercussions. This movie is wrong. It, it ends with him and his wife totally reconciling. They're fucking thrilled. Oh, Paul Giamatti gets everything, Dan. <laughs> he walks, he that walks, black man had that gun for protection. Yeah, he walks into a hotel and he's like, "Dude, he goes, he goes, hey, I've been, I've been down this road before, but I, you know." I know what the answer is going to be, but I, I figure I'd just ask. You don't accept uh, any of these frequent flyer miles, do you? And you're like, wow, Paul Giamatti sure grew. He accepts And then the he... movie's just like, bow, bow. <laughs> and, she, and, she, and, and she goes, Dude, bow, this, bow. Woman, this woman behind the desk goes, she goes, of course we take frequent flyer miles. And it's the most, like, overplayed fucking response ever. It's, he's like, like, yeah, it's like a McDonald's boy. commercial. And he's like, he's like, there's like a single tear goes down his face like the Native American on the side of the road with litter and shit. He's like, you, you take these miles? And then it fades to fucking black! It fades it, to it, black! It, the ultimate crux of the movie <laughs> is that Paul Giamatti gets everything. Yeah, everyone wins. wins! We only had one casualty and it was the black guy, so you, whatever. You know who didn't win, Dan? The gas station attendant. Who got shot in the fucking face, probably. Yeah, you know who did win? Every person who interacted with Maria Bello throughout the fucking film. Why do so many... <laughs> movies we watch on this podcast and with the cops just shooting everyone <laughs> it's amazing like this one I did not see coming this no. wasn't one of those ones where I was like ooh I'm picking this because of Dan's like silly cop things there's not a single fucking plot point I saw coming no. if, you came, if you came to me before dude the whole Staggering. time you, you were texting me throughout watching duets I was like wow Dan's doing one of his fucking bits here where he's like acting like duets is an absolutely insane movie and I'm gonna sit here watching it it's gonna be this fucking rom-com and within 30 seconds I was like what is this deeply unhinged <laughs> if you were like if you were like I'll give you a thousand dollars if you can describe one plot point about duets that's not the karaoke competition and I'd be like and you'd be like I'd give you 50 tries I wouldn't get a single one of them well, you texted me earlier in the day, and you were like, oh, I didn't expect Paul Giamatti to da-da-da-da-da, and I didn't want to spoil it for you, but I had typed out, I was like, oh, you are you, are you going to expect Paul Giamatti to murder an innocent man in this movie? <laughs> like, it's just not a movie that, that in, even through its trailer, but also through the first... No, never mind. It immediately got off the rails. There's not a dude. There's not a scene. There's not a line in this movie that isn't blessed in one way or another. They did not get get away with a single credible moment. The only credible moment was almost Scott Speedman until he said hard, hard R at the end there in his final redemption speech. Now I want to just like and, and and here's how you know that this movie is just poison. It's toxic. After Paul Giamatti is. It, it, you know, like, it, he survives his friend being fucking murdered in front of him for his own sake. Right. Um, and everything seems to be fine. 
they do confirm that nobody won the purse. They do. <laughs> they do confirm that all of the characters are now together, traveling yeah. to another karaoke yeah, the, competition. The, the five thousand dollars need, now needs to be go to go towards court expenses for the fucking murder that just went yeah. down on their premises. The movie. Oh yeah, everyone's friends. The it's movie kids. did not end. It truly gave up. It was like, right. <laughs> like it was heading towards another scene. Right. It was heading towards all of the characters interacting with one another for the first time, which it yeah. had only happened for two minutes. Right. And they're all go- they're all going to go on a karaoke adventure, implying that like really the crux of the movie truly was karaoke, which had nothing to do with the fucking movie. The really. The climax of the movie was a shooting of a black man <laughs> by the police, by the police publicly in front of thirty to forty to people. save his new white friend that he met three days earlier, who has done nothing but force him to drive. In oncoming traffic, steal his gun and commit a fucking felony with it. This movie was fucked up. Dude. <laughs> it's fucking insane. Insanity. Ten out of ten for me on the movie blues chart. Zero. <laughs> Hard zero for this movie. Um, we gave uh, Italy both eights. You changed it to eights. It was twos, and you put a line <laughs> in each of the twos when you were fucked up here, dummy. <laughs> And then forgot you did it. And I saw it the other day and was like, what is that? So here's the deal, bro. The movie Blues board is not a right, it's a privilege. Don't abuse it. Okay, saying that I wrote an 8 for Tenet. I'm never going to get over anti-coronavirus. That was you started the first episode of the season with just making it look weird. You fucked up my whole thing. We, we gave it 0. 0.0 and I made one of the zeros a dude with a gun to his head. Dan, what do you give this movie for uh, the movie Blue Score uh, and then um, your Golden Gun rating? I give this a 10 out of 10 for the movie. I give this like a 20 out of 10. This is... This was... This was insanity. Like, I thought... This was the most insane I movie I thought there I was no chance seen. we could ever find a more appropriate for this podcast movie than Little Italy. And this movie made... Within days. This movie made Little Italy just look like Italy. <laughs> that was awesome. You dumped that shit, dude. Thanks, Doc. Um, I guess this is the end of the um, season. I... Like, in terms of, like, Golden Guns, like, I'm gonna give duets, like, an 8 out of 10, because I'm gonna watch this shit again, like, a bunch of times. No, you're not. (laughs) I'm for sure gonna, I need to show this movie to everyone. You're gonna give it an 8 out of 10 on the Golden Gun rating scale. Like. As a film, this was an 8 out of 10. Look, we gave Disclosure comfortable, like, actual 7s. Disclosure is a good movie. This movie is the same, is the same as Disclosure this in terms of wrong-headedness. toxic and... <laughs> so is Disclosure. But not line to line. Disclosure is fucked in Disclosure had like five minutes here and there where it was like, okay, we're doing The ultimate messaging things. of that movie is Despicable and they shoehorned in VR. This no movie is more fucked up than anti-coronavirus, Dan. Like, this movie fucked me straight up. It was insane, dude. It was insane because... Not because it did things that this were more... This movie has 4.8 stars on Google Reviews. Not because it did things that were more crazy than the crazy movies that we watch, but because of where it started and what yeah. I anticipated from it <laughs> versus what happened in it. I mean, like, no person would ever believe from the trailer of this movie what happened in no. it. It's, it's insane. I, I, was, I was in a group chat today, and I was like, in my group chat that I've told you about, a bunch of people from college, and I was like, has anyone seen Duets? And someone was like, 
the fucking karaoke movie from like the 90s with Gwyneth Paltrow, like the rom-com. And I was like, I was like, no. The movie in which Paul Giamatti murders people frivolously and Maria Bello just sucks dicks for a currency <laughs> throughout the movie featuring Huey Lewis briefly. And and like the response was dot dot dot. <laughs> what? Right. <laughs> I feel and like someone goes, wait, the movie with Cruz in? I feel like a lot of moms out there, like, a lot of people listening right now, your mom might like this movie, and you need to check on her. My mom, like, I remember my mom seeing this movie in the theater. Yeah, this is an upsetting movie. That's man. fucked up. It's upsetting it to enjoy this movie. It explains a lot. It's, it's upsetting to unironically have enjoyed this movie. Like, I worry for anyone. Like, imagine being, okay, imagine being, like, a huge karaoke fan watching this movie. <laughs> You'd be more like that. It's a it's, it's a black mark on the sport. This movie is a crime. <laughs> this movie was dude, crazier than is... anything I've seen in a long time, dude. Long like years. This is just another of the long running theme on this podcast of everything from the year two thousand just being Awful. fucking insane. No like, wonder they so, fucking bombed so, us. So dude. I typed out the plot of as I interpreted it to my group chat, and someone responded with. This really makes you wonder what culture would be like if 9-11 never happened. I think this caused 9-11. I think that in a cave somewhere this movie was watched and they were like, Americans have gone too far. Yeah, this is offensive in this, so many ways. This movie's god fucking poisoned <laughs> damned. But dude, Paul Giamatti's so fucking awesome in it. Yeah, like... watch this movie just to watch Paul Giamatti get a, get a George... A uh, uh, fucking George Michael earring, and do a bunch of beta blockers, and go like fucking. That's, wild. that's the best part about it, is that it he's is. acting like a full fucking lunatic. Where ultimately all he's given is one beta blocker. He's given one. The implication drug. that he's they don't, Dan. They don't even show him drinking. Yeah, they show him drinking one beer. He's a, he gets, while he's he gets driving. a beta blocker and turns into a pure alpha, bro. Like. Props to the girl at the karaoke karaoke bar who gave him that beta blocker because that shit was strong. Yeah, this Straight is up. and like nowadays you'd get she'd get charged with a felony because she provided the drugs that led to the crime. <sighs> and also, Paul Giamatti pulls a fucking gun on his wife in a restaurant, and then one karaoke competition later they are back together in a happy family. Um. This movie is cursed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm so glad that we found this in, movie. In your wildest dreams, could you have imagined that this movie was going to be half of this experience? No. And within 30 seconds, I knew we were done for. Like, I, how, how many times did I text you? And I was like, this is, this is like a religious experience in terms of how insane it is. Everyone needs to watch this movie. Go out and watch this movie. Amazon's like, gonna be like, why the fuck has there been such a 5,000% increase in rentals of duets? I hope it's... I I, I really hope everybody on Earth watches Yeah, duets. I need... I want to see, like, a... It, like, last year was the 20-year anniversary of duets, like... I want to see if there was, like, a retrospective or, like, a, like a, like a podcast reunion... Um, I found very little information about duets, mostly people being like, please don't mention that. <laughs> Next question. Um, anyway. What do you think Maya Rudolph thinks of this part? She probably doesn't remember being in it, I would assume. P.T. Anderson is like, probably watches it all the time. This movie feels... P.T. Anderson watches it and is like, oh, remember when my wife was hot? Yeah, right. <laughs> Alright, so we'll see you guys next week. Right. <laughs> I think we should do one more. Okay. You think we should do one more? 
I like. I should do one. I do conceptually, but I just if I had known this was I mean, going to be is, like, dude, this, like this is like uh, so this season I, by far is the best movie blue season. But that being said, lots of good shows have a great penultimate episode. Right. And then deliver that last this, little This is spot. like the Ozymandias episode. Oh, yeah. This is, I mean, this is like... Shout out I, Stephen Lester. I don't want to know how long this episode is, and if you're still listening to it, we really appreciate it. Dude, that. we should make this a two-parter. Our first ever two-parter. People it's don't need It's that. duets, bro. People like it's the app, it like saves where you are. It's all good. <laughs> all right, guys, we are hanging out. We're, we are having drinks. It is Friday night, and we're going to go watch a movie on my TV. Hopefully that will be a little bit better than... No shot. Never mind. <laughs> the way, dude, the way Jupiter Ascending broke my feeling about the art of film, this revitalized in such a way. Uh, I was thinking Ready Player One, but I feel like that could go wrong. No, we're gonna, no, we'll, we'll watch something. Okay. All right. All right, well, um, I have been the Movie Blues Podcast, and this is Yeah, and I've been in fucking tears. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually felt like throughout the day today that you weren't feeling the energy from it that I was. You weren't revealing to me that you were feeling it as no, much as... No, I was... Dude, I was literally... I mean, you were saying things like, oh, wow, I can't believe this or that happened. You have to But realize... I was texting you shit like, this movie... I mean, by everybody, just so they know, I made a, uh, a an infographic for Dan. <laughs> of, <laughs> now that he's thinking about it, now it makes perfect that sense to him. Be, that needs to be the cover photo. Don't even make oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, Yeah, absolutely. No, that definitely should be, because I, I looked at the poster, and it's not even good for a mock-up, but um, I made a thing for Dan where it's just like, um, the, the planet size chart can comparison and like how all the planets leading up to the sun are yeah. like small but like kind of increasing yeah, and that's like, like anti-coronavirus yeah like little book of henry little italy and then like the sun was duets yeah and i was like i was like dan i'm trying to express to you how fucking nuts this is like you have to realize that like i was like pausing this movie then getting on like a zoom call with like the execs at my fucking company <laughs> and then like I'm pausing this movie, like taking a phone call from a client, like the headspace i was in while working today like, i want to be fully honest with you because i did lie to you the lie was that at some point I said to you that I finished duets and that I was happy to have finished it. I actually had not finished duets. Okay. I had four minutes left. <laughs> okay? That's so a like, pivotal four minutes. When he's singing Freebird, right. I paused it while he was singing Freebird. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, surely this is That's the emotional. a totally different movie. Surely this is the emotional apex of this film. <laughs> and then today. And the reason that I didn't fully finish it is I'm having this problem with my hard drive and my TV. It keeps exiting out of anything that yeah, I put on the hard they drive. They for sure don't care. I, I, I'm fully aware. But um, the bottom line is that like I missed the last five minutes. I came down very shoddily. I just got out of the shower. I was just like, all right, I'll put five minutes this movie on. <laughs> and in that five minutes, a black man killed himself through the police. <laughs> and like the whole movie completely unraveled. And I was like, I cannot believe that a movie like this that gave me so many so many blessed crystals throughout had one more little fucking dusting for me. It was just amazing. Yeah. Just an amazing film. Dude, the person Everybody. who wrote this, like, needs, like, to be either restrained or in prison. Like, the person who wrote this is for sure in jail. <laughs> like, if the person who, if everyone involved in the creation <laughs> of this film has not been me too, like, this needs to be revisited by everyone involved. Like, Maya Rudolph needs to be canceled. They need to, like, literally dig Bruce Paltrow up and, like, <laughs> DNA test his dick or something because crimes were made so Gwyneth, while making Gwyneth this movie. Gwyneth Paltrow currently has a class action lawsuit against her because her vagina candles have been exploding in people's houses. I love it. 
and you have to feel like that's a timeline that doesn't exist without the creation of this picture. <sighs> I had a friend who got a hold of one and said it does not smell like pussy. And on that note... To the guy who says we curse too much... <laughs> go good fuck yourself. So long and good night, retag. <laughs> Dan, you wanna... Um... <laughs> Dan, you wanna uh, you wanna I don't you wanna take your baby to a gas station where it will become unhinged, murder someone, and then compete in a karaoke competition? I wanna cruise together with this baby. Baby. Oh god, I'm so glad this is over. I gotta take this pound of turkey out of my crotch. 